looking at you, kid. I'm Charles Foster King! Hey, Stella! Suck on this. I'm going to go ahead and unleash the beast. Do it, man. Do it. <laughs> what is going on, everybody? This is Wrong Real episode 520. It's a podcast for hardcore cinephiles where we tackle everything from Jean-Luc Godard to Jean-Luc Picard. And today we are finally diving into an episode that's been getting teased on social media for months. And it's kind of a special episode because I am going into pre-production on a short film here in New York. So this is the last episode that will be posted on Wrong Real for weeks, so soak it up, enjoy it. But we had the great <laughs> Gidget Von LaRue back in action, co-host of the Retro Cinema Podcast, and the topic at hand is the films that make Gidget fidget. So Gidget, welcome back <laughs> to Wrong Real. Thank you so much. I have been so excited for this. Uh, I know that both you and I, we, we've seen, uh, like I'd seen all these movies, obviously, to list them, but some I hadn't seen for a long time. And, you know, in case people are confused about the Gidget Fidget, it's basically films that I find very sexy. Now, uh, defining that, uh, we're not talking porn. We're talking films that are erotic or that... not. Some of them are not even necessarily erotic. I, I would think that, for me, a lot of the time, the sexiness from a film comes from the seduction, not necessarily the buck-naked, you know, tumble in the beds. Uh, that That helps. But I, I always think that often, yeah, it's the, the, the art of seduction that can be very arousing, especially for a woman, I think, watching a movie. Yeah, I don't remember when I finally learned this, but um, at some point I figured out that the longer or the more amount of time you spend investing in the teasing and the tantalization and basically by priming the, the pump, so to speak, the better the reward or the better the dividends when the uh, the dirty deed actually takes place. And so the more hours you spend warming up, the the more intense the final reward will be. Whereas guys are just designed in the opposite way, where it's like we're, like, we're built like rabbits. And uh, <laughs> I think uh, th- this episode is going to be all about the, uh, the deep, long tease and uh, building toward that eventual climax. But let's first just start very innocently. Who are you? What is your that podcast? That might last long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what, a, what a, Yeah, exactly. A little pump fake. But what's going on in your podcast? Who are you? Just in case somebody did not hear your previous episode talking about Frank Oz, I just want to make sure they know uh, who they're dealing with. Okay. Well, uh, I host uh, here in Australia, uh, I host a uh, 80s movie podcast with uh, Angry Man, 
and we basically it's an hour-long podcast and we talk about 80s movies that we loved back then and that we still love now so it's a very positive we don't bag the movies uh, if there's faults in them we'll, we'll point them out but certainly they're movies that we love so uh, if you want to hear a very positive podcast about those 80s movies that you love and we cover all different types of genres from horror to comedy to drama to to and we even do top tens as well so uh yeah it's the retro cinema podcast you can find us on all listening devices uh or you can listen directly from our website and yeah it's fun we've been doing it for nearly four years now and we've we've only just touched the tip of the iceberg i mean we're doing stand by me next week i'm not too sure when this will come out childhood faves and i I still love it as an adult but i saw that countless numbers i guess i was 10 when it came out so it it just hit home in ways that i can't even really put into words yeah, and I think it's one of those movies, even though it's about four, four young boys, I think they're 13, I think, in the movie, uh, I think it appeals to everybody on every level because, you know, there's that the, the famous quote, you know, do, do we ever have the friends that we did when we were 13? Christ, I think not, or whatever uh, the, the Richard Dreyfus character says. And, and, it's, and it is very true. You know, you don't really have the friends as you get older that you have as a kid. Except for in the case of James Hancock and Gidget Von LaRue, who we are rapidly <laughs> becoming fast friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're my second friend. <laughs> Excellent. Fantastic. But yeah, I mean, Stand By Me, it's one of those rare movies that actually allows kids to talk like kids. Kids don't talk like some stupid movie, like like some disnified, sanctified version of reality. It's more like the Bad News Bears. It's more like Stand By Me, where they say filthy things, and the way they cuss can be a little clumsy and awkward, but it's just so much more honest when you actually... I, I guess I was maybe nine when I went away to camp for the first time, and suddenly we were all just throwing out every single cuss word we could think of, because suddenly there were just no rules, and we could say whatever we liked, and were we super articulate in the way we expressed ourselves? No but I just think it's really dishonest for filmmakers when they don't allow kids free reign in terms of how they express themselves. Absolutely. Oh, I completely agree. Like, I remember, I'm, I'm older than you, but I remember when uh, going to school, that's when Eddie Murphy's Delirious came out, and every single person was quoting that comedy routine. I still quote like, it. <laughs> yes, I'm, same. Swimming underwater. Um, it's, so it was one of those things that was like... It, it was like getting away with something really naughty, swearing or saying something funny, and it was justified because you're like, well, you know, Eddie Murphy said it, so... Yeah, and anytime you know, Rob Carter's say- around, you know, frequent friend of the show, all I have to say is like, hey, Sanchez, goony goo goo, and he just, he's off and starts <laughs> quoting Delirious for like the next two hours, but yeah, he is a, a, another fan uh, uh, for our little secret club. Well, let's start shifting into the topic at hand. You picked out this giant, incredible list going from the late 60s to the early 2000s with all kinds of films from all kinds of filmmakers with all kinds of genres, some based in history, some are flights of fancy, some are film noir, some are science fiction. It's just a wild list. But if you don't mind my opening like, with an icebreaker for a personal question, do mm-hmm. you remember the first film that made Gidget Fidget? Ooh, that's, that is a tough one. Okay, so uh, I grew up in a very movie-orientated family, and whatever my parents would see, they'd take us kids. It's not like, oh, the kids are too I like, young I to I like listen. their style. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, the minute, you know, be, for here in Australia, it was beta, first of all. Uh, then we transferred over to VHS. The minute you could buy movies, so we'd sit down and watch all movies. You know, I watched all the, the, the 40s classics, you know, All About Eve and Letter to Three Wives and all those sort of movies. My mother showed me all of those. I'm trying to think of the first one. I think it might have been Two Moon Junction. Wow. You, start, you started in the deep end of the pool. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, tra- I th- no training I think wheels so. there. 
No, no. <laughs> I actually no. I know. I'll be completely honest with you, James. It, I just remembered the first naughty film I saw, and it was Uncut Caligula. My parents had it Holy on VHS. Balls. Yeah, with my brother too. Talk about awkward. But that's because they 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 would hide their naughty videos. But of course, as kids, you'd find those. That, that was easy. Um, so that uh, I remember seeing uh, Flesh Gordon. The, the porn parody of, of Flash Gordon, uh, Case of the Smiling Stiffs, Fritz the Cat. So actually oh, wow. it was those movies that I first saw. But, yeah, the, the, the uncut Caligula, that, that was like, ooh. So you just started yeah. with unprotected, un, unprotected sex and never looked back. Correct. That's it. Just I, I dove off the, 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 the diving board into, into the dirty pool and I never got out of it. Very nice. I, mean, I guess oh. I can remember seeing nudity early on, but being so young that I didn't quite know how to react. Like it was watching Stripes during the mud wrestling scene with John Candy when he rips all the tops off. I remember at the time almost being kind of confused, like, oh, that's what girls look like with their tops, but they're covered in mud. It was just a, a totally <laughs> weird thing. But the first time I really went out of my way to watch like a smutty movie, my siblings and I were in Canada, summer 1986. And we figured out that on SpectreVision, like the like the uh, the video on demand service at that time, you could order mm. softcore porn, and they were so soft and so innocent by today's standards. But I was ten, my little sister was eight, my older brother was thirteen, and we were just mesmerized, just enthralled. And every night we watch a different movie. And uh, I lied to my stepdad's face when we came home. He's like, "Slim, did you watch any or order any movies that you weren't supposed to while we were in Canada?" I was like, "No, sir." Like, no no way. way. And he never called me out on it. But that was really embarrassing. But those, so those were the first movies where I really remember getting um, like a physical response from watching them and realizing that I was in, uh, you know, a kind of a sleazier uh, walk of life while watching them. <laughs> so, so was that the first time you saw, should we say, Bush? Uh, first of all, I saw Bush was probably like my mother at age two in the shower because she, she was not shy. But the first time I saw it in a movie... That's a, there's a very strong chance that it might have been. Because I guess in the early 80s, you always saw butt. Like, even like in like something like Clash of the Titans, a PG movie, you would just see you know, pretty like, you know, chaste nudity in a lot of movies, even if they were PG. You know what? Yeah. It actually was The Howling. The Howling was the first time I think that I ever saw full-on Bush on HBO during that scene by the campfire. And right. uh, I remember, yeah, I was, I was enthralled. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's, in the 80s, I think, especially uh, – even even movies like you know Trading Places and stuff and oh Revenge God, of the Nerds yeah. and like just and, and doing this podcast 80s movie podcast we you know we have a boobies alert actually <laughs> because we're a family friendly podcast so we we always have the boobies and and we're calling it out constantly because it, you know it's ama- it's amazing there wasn't you know boobies in the Untouchable oh there probably was um it, it just seemed to be a big thing but you didn't see. Penis, you saw mostly. It's funny how even in 2020, the penis is still like the undiscovered country. Like, name a mainstream Hollywood show or movie that's shown an erect penis. Like, you can probably count them on one hand, if that. And I don't even know if you would call something like Brown Bunny to be mainstream. And also, uh, what's this? uh, Vincent Gallo, he doesn't even really get fully erect. So I don't even know if that counts as an erect penis, even though he's getting a blowjob from Chloe Sevigny. But like Game of Thrones, lots of flaccid, tiny, tiny penises, but uh, no erections. And that's a big part of one of the movies we'll be talking about today. Basic Instinct. It was in in the contract for uh, for Michael Douglas. No full frontal. And so it's funny how here we are. Movies have been around for well over a hundred years, and the penis is still off limits. Yeah, that's I'm. You you threw that out, and I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, you can see occasionally a flaccid 
penis. Like, like on a dead body, like in Basic Instinct. That was one of the first penises ever in a Hollywood movie is on a dead body. It's like, well, that's not really <laughs> going to get anybody uh, fidgeting. Not going? Look at that dead penis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think I think the, the thing is, I think the minute, and this, you know, you mentioned Game of Thrones as well, but even in Game of Thrones, you, you don't see one rock hard because I think that's probably in their minds crossing over into the porn absolutely ele- yeah. element or something. So uh, it is, but it, but yeah, again, uh, showing boobies very very popular. But as you said, you know, I've I've gone way back. We've got a movie from the sixties up until. You know, I'm trying to think if there's a really recent film. We uh, go up to 2002 with your list, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, if, first of all, we should say that, um, and and this is now taboo, but we touched on it briefly. Most people that are horny in films, especially 80s and going further back, smoke. So, if you are a sexy person, you must light up a cigarette because that then shows that you want it baby <laughs> absolutely before during and after but yeah it's funny exactly like, i mean one of the movies we'll be talking about body heat there's this incredible scene where it's not even a sex scene but there's in uh, a lawyer's office like oh do you mind if i smoke and they're oh well that's awesome and everybody starts lighting up like pipes and cigars and i mean it's just ridiculous <laughs> and ted dancing in the back room's like nah I'll, I'll just breathe in the air i'll just breathe it in yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's just, it's classic. Well, let's wind things back to the very first movie on our list from 1968. <laughs> Psychedella, there's a kind of cockle shell about you. Barbarella, Barbarella, mm, dazzle me with rainbow color, fade away the duller shade of living. Get me up high, teach me to fly, electrify. Above the stratosphere, bring your dearness near till the dawn comes tumbling down. Don't make a sound. Every word we need comes from the sky. Can't you read my eyes? Oh, you give me a cold shoulder. Still, I'm dying, girl, to hold you and make love. Love. Barbarella, psychedella, never can a fella. Barbarella from Roger Vadim, who was married to his star Jane Fonda. And this is a movie that uh, my dad saw in the theater when he was in college, and he was telling me about for years, mostly because of the opening credit sequence. But lay it on us. What is it about Barbarella that jumps out at you? Well, Jane, F- Jane Fonda, I think, is at her most 
beautiful in in this film. As you said, she was married to the director, Roger Vadim. That probably helped. Uh, I know for a fact that that very famous opening scene that I think Kylie Minogue actually uh, did a version of it for one of her songs for her music clip. But it's a very iconic scene where Jane Fonda obviously is in the um, astronaut costume and she eventually slowly takes off all her clothes and, you know, boobies, 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 boobies. With a really um, she, groovy tune. Barbarella Psychedella. It's so 60s, but I love it. The music in this, it's, it's just, I love the music in this. It's Look, I understand why Barbarella has become a cult film. It is very campy. It's sort of a 60s showgirls in a way. It's not a bad, but it's not a bad movie it it knows what it is and 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 i think much like flash gordon it it owns it owns it but you know jane fond just looks stunning in this because roger vadim had also been uh with uh, catherine deneuve uh, he was married to bridget bardot uh and, and annette uh, stroyberg i think as well and he was married to Jane from about 1965 to 1973 but i know jane fonda actually had to have quite a few vodkas before she did this opening scene. But it's a very sexual movie. Everything's referring to, because she's an Earth woman, she's on an alien planet, and Earth has uh, formed a different way to have sex with a tablet, and then you just put your hand against another person's hand, which is not the sexiest thing to do, <laughs> but all of a sudden <laughs> her eyes are opened all of a sudden. Uh, that yeah. you know, I, I know sex nothing is, of this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what, what is this? Because back, back on Earth, actually bodily contact while having sex is only what the poor people do, the people can't, that can't afford the tablets. So she suddenly, her eyes are opened to actual physical... Contact, that post-coital singing is delightful. She's like, la, la, la. I mean, she's like <laughs> humming to herself and and ecstasy. I think she's humming the theme song, actually. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. I guess most of the nudity in this movie is suggested or so quick, if you blink, you will miss it. But that's part of the what makes it so arousing to watch. And I guess behind the scenes... I know that things were much more intense because uh, the director, he was notorious for liking threesomes and foursomes and Jane Fonda had a very strange relationship with, with him where sometimes she would act as like his procurer almost because she wanted to control some dynamic of all this and so they were having quite a wild libidinous lifestyle and I know she was really frustrated with him because he had all these gambling debts and she was always bailing him out and so but she stayed with him for years and they made quite a few movies together but eventually she got much more interested in politics I think she basically did the movie uh, They Shoot Horses Don't They and realized she wanted to go in a different direction with her career but there is no denying the tension on the screen and some of my favorite behind the scenes pics ever are of the two of them on the set when he's like cutting holes in her clothes and her costume like there's something about that <laughs> mix of like armor and torn costume with like the exposed midriff and I, I mean I was yeah, I, I was doing my own fair share of fidgeting I was like in agony watching this <laughs> even though it's a uh, you know, it's a pretty tame movie that's, by today's that's standards. the other thing that the, the costumes are fabulous like she get, she changes costumes every five seconds and they're all very sexy costumes uh, the, you know she's got that that fur one with the towel which she, you know, this, she keeps getting the towel caught in 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 the space doors and stuff, and and but 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 she always has like a very handy, uh, sexy outfit with boots available wherever she is. But you know the the torn things from those 
terrifying snapping dolls that those yeah. evil children set on her with the metal teeth. Uh, and then, of course, we've got the the, the guy in the, uh, the that full dreadful fur costume. Uh, and then he takes the costume off, and he's got just as much hair on his own body. <laughs> he's he got a sweater all over his body. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. that guy is that guy is all man. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those movies where I wouldn't necessarily ever say, "Oh, you should watch Barbarella because it's like this great science fiction film, like 2001." But for people who really enjoy camp and like yes. things like uh, Forbidden Planet and things like that, I think they'll be or like or Planet of the Vampires. Like this will be right up their alley. It just screams 60s. And I, I agree when it comes to Jane Fonda's physical beauty. Obviously, later on she would get into like aerobics and she would get like much more lean and muscular. This is when she's at her kind of softest and most curvaceous, and she's just astonishing the crazy hair going in all directions like she had put her finger into an electric socket and i, I love this- that 60s hair i love that yeah. Buffon 60s hair i love the 60s makeup i love everything about the look of this film as i said the soundtrack's fantastic i love that groovy sort of 60s always reminds me of peter seller's movie the party as well with that great you know absolutely 60s music um and it, it you know she, she gets attacked by budgies which i think is hilarious uh, which is a, a native bird here in Australia, if you don't know what a budgie is. Um, but she gets attacked by budgies. She ne- nearly sits on one, actually. I never noticed that before. Uh, she breaks the erotica machine. She gets put in a, an erotica machine. And yeah. she she. It's basically like it. a vibrator for your body, and it's supposed to kill you with sexual ecstasy when it peaks. But, of course, uh, she outlasts the machine. She outlasts it. That's it. And, of course, we've got um, uh, Milo O'Shea as uh, Dr. Duran Duran, which, of course, the band Duran Duran named themselves after his character's name. So, uh, And we've got uh, Anita Pallenberg as uh, the Sorgo's Black Queen. And she, yeah, and she, was looks, actually, she looks fabulous as well. Oh, well, yeah. She, she was one of the... Um, uh, what, what do you call it? Rolling Stones. She she went through the Rolling Stones boys. Uh, she was always on the arm of one of them. I think gotcha. Ron, so she, she Wood, burned yeah. her way through them like a brush fire. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly right. But that's actually not her voice. That's actually the voice of uh, an actress called Joan Greenwood. Greenwood. Uh, and she was a, a, a Hollywood actress goes going back to the 40s, I think. She had that lovely, wonderful, deep... Hello, pretty, pretty. <laughs> that one, that wonderful voice, very sexy. But the, again, it, look, this—it's on my list because uh, I just think this is—it's a fun film. It's a very sexy film, and e- everything's just tinted with sex in this movie. So absolutely, I, I, yeah, it's on yeah. my wall. It's one of my posters. I got the Robert McGinnis poster from the initial release. Um, it's not the—it's just a print. It's not like the original copy. But then, of course, they got re-released in the late '70s as Barbarella, Queen of the Galaxy, because they're trying to capitalize on the popularity of Star Wars and that's when they brought in that great Boris Vallejo poster but yeah both the Boris Vallejo poster and the Robert McGinnis poster two of my all-time favorite sexy posters but I just found this great line in my notes from Jane Fonda talking about her marriage and she said she was aware of the director's sexual decadence I mean he he had seduced Bridget Bardot when she was 18 this is his third marriage but she said um when she was going into these threesomes and foursomes, that when she was trying to uh, basically maintain control, she said, I took my cues from him and threw myself into the threesome with the skill and enthusiasm of the actress that I am. So it sounds like she wasn't necessarily <laughs> like, into it all the way, but she could at least play the part un- under the circumstances. But yeah, the, the- uh, See, I, f- I find that very weird. I wouldn't want to do... I know actors, <clears throat> it's a whole different realm with actors, but I think you know if you're going to go through that sort of thing, and I myself have experienced that sort of thing, um, <laughs> we won't go too far into my my um, experience, what I've experienced. But um, if you're not into it, 
it's like it's like anything, but especially something you know with, with sexuality. If you're not into it, you shouldn't just do it just to appease the other person. Agreed. I feel like when you're experimenting, if one person's like you just got like a fetish that they got to get out of the system, that's one thing. But it's always more fun when you know that whatever you're doing, the other person. To a degree, is going to get their rocks off as well. It shouldn't be like a, a one-sided exchange. It just creates a, a strange dynamic. And so, yeah, I, it's always fun to look for that weird, perverted overlap in the Venn diagram. Like, where do, where do our uh, fetishes merge and kind of uh, co-mingle? And, yeah, it's always like that, that, I feel like, the healthier approach. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I watch a lot of documentaries about stuff like that. And, you know, Louis Thoreau does a lot of them. Uh, I think he did one on people that are swingers. And, you know, if you talk to people about it, people are like, oh, I couldn't do that. I'd get really jealous and all that. But the people that are into it, that have found each other, that are into it, they stay together for a really long time because they're living out their fantasy, their shared fantasy. So I think, but I think a lot of people in life have got a lot of kinks, but are with people that they wouldn't even be game enough to bring it up. Um, yeah, my, I, got, I have a limited exposure to the swinger scene, but my one bit, my one like leap into the deep end of the pool on that front. I went to Comic Con in summer 2014, and there is a there's a basically a, like a nudist colony slash like like pool party bar area in San Diego called Thad. I think it's Thad's. In any event, girls get in free, guys have to pay a hundred bucks. But the rule is, women can go however they like. Men are not allowed to enter unless they are stark naked from head to toe. And I was what? like, ooh. I'm going to have to bring a, a large bottle of whiskey <laughs> to do this. But it was wild. There's like pools and hot tubs and pool tables and stripper poles and private rooms and public rooms. And it was just such an eye-opener seeing the people who are regulars who come there every weekend and indulge in all sorts of uh, activity. I remember this one couple arrived or one person was on a harness and they were almost like I, like the pet. And it was just it was like I was like it was like being at like the zoo watching all these uh, strange creatures that I'd never encountered before. But after like thirty minutes or an hour, you stop thinking like oh you stop even, stop yeah, even oh, noticing yeah. that people are even yeah. naked. It just becomes like a cocktail party. And that was the most unusual thing. Yeah, that's that's the thing. If it's, it's if it's your first time, I remember going with my partner and we we decided to check out a swingers club. The first thing that surprised us was you kind of you kind of think you're going to go in there and you are going to see some sort of Caligula. Uh, orgy scene with beautiful women and hot men and all that. No, no, it was that it was it was not pretty. Let's just say that the, a lot of the people that swing uh, are not models. Um, I'll just I'll just leave it there. Uh, that's what surprises. And then and everyone was sitting around having a drink. And then all of a sudden, they, everyone just disappeared. So my partner and I just sitting there going, "What the hell?" So they all went downstairs and just all started to you know get it on. And it's a it's a bit of a spin out at first. And then as the night goes on, you just, it's just nothing. You know, you'll be sitting talking to someone, and there's someone, two three people next to you all having sex with each other. Yeah, um, it's, it's amazing how quickly anything, no matter how strange can become like vanilla and normal <laughs> yeah yeah and and that's why the people that go on a regular basis it's just nothing to them you know it's it's just it's just another night at the pub kind of thing you know well, the most so intimidating it, part for me is that there are a lot of guys from uh, the marines there's a i think it's a marine corps base near san diego so a lot of them go there and i walked in and like you know they're half my age and physical specimens and there are a lot mm. of women in their 30s and 40s who like hooking up with younger men who are just like you know man eaters that are just descending from the sky to, to prey upon these military guys and so that that was interesting but when i first walked in i was like oh my 
God, how am I gonna <laughs> how am I gonna maintain my confidence around these these, these like these warriors and so on and so forth? But once again, I got I got into the swing of things. A, a half bottle of Jameson goes a long way in helping you get into the swing of things in just about any scenario. But let's start looking ahead to the next mm-hmm. look in our list from the director yep. of Return of the Jedi. This is the movie that got him the gig. Well, we've Eye of the Needle from 1981, directed by Richard Marquand, a movie I had not seen prior to preparing for this, so lay it on us. What is, what is this movie all about? Okay, so uh, Eye of the Needle is, uh, it's basically, I would relate it very similar to a sort of a don't look now, sort of a tense thriller, and it's, they've also both got Donald Sutherland in them. Um, it's, this is not a sexy movie as a whole. I just think it's a very good, a very uh, natural and very real sex scene with Donald Sutherland and Kate Nelligan. I think it's very, very sexy. He plays Henry Faber, or The Needle, and she's Lucy, and it's basically a World War II spy thriller um, regarding the the, uh, the invasion of Normandy. Uh, Lady Chatterley's Lover in 1981, very similar premise. Uh, but this, this one got on my list because of, and I could say as well, Don't Look Now, very, very sexy love scene with Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie as as well. Uh, but this one made it because I do, I do really like this movie as well. I think this is a really, it's a really good thriller right to the end. And it is about, you know, Kate Nelligan's character of Lucy is living there with her disabled husband and son. Uh, and she's pretty much in a loveless, passionless marriage. And although yeah, I mean, Donald On their Sutherland, wedding day, he runs his car off the road and gets paralyzed and he's still got plenty of piss and vinegar and he wants to he, he, lo- he misses his days as a fighter pilot but sadly he's unable to perform and they they have the one child because uh, i guess there was a bit of a shotgun marriage yeah exactly but the acting in this is great kate nelligan's uh, a wonderful actress and i just think uh and and another movie uh, based around war uh that i think is very sexy is a movie in 2006 called black book Oh, it's incredible. Uh, the Paul Verhoeven film? Yeah, it's extraordinary. Yeah, 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 with Clarice Van Hilton and Yeah, good Sebastian old, um, what's it, um, what, what was her name in Game of in Thrones? Game of Thrones. Melisandre. Um, yeah, Melisandre. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's yep. this great scene in there where she walks into the room and this guy looks like he's getting an erection under the sheets. And she's like, oh, is that something for me? And she pulls the sheet back and he's got a gun pointed at her. I was like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. But what really caught me off guard with Eye of the Needle was I mean, the scene between, I mean, the the actress, she's a physical specimen. She's incredibly well built, and she and Donald Sutherland, probably less physically attractive than she. But the scene that really turned me on was when uh, she's having a really innocent moment in the bathtub, playing with her child, and they're just like you know doing what mother and child do. And Donald Sutherland stops in the doorway and looks in, and she gives him like a brief moment to kind of just take in the take in like a, a proper view of her before the view is spoiled and you can tell like this is a, a, a live woman this is a, a woman who's like built for speed and she's mm. not able to express that side of her so this is like her one moment of sexual tension probably in years and of course later on when they're hanging out and she breaks her glass on that uh, ha- she breaks her hand on that glass of wine like the sexual tension gets to be so much the dress just has to come off and of course the, the natural takes place but then of course it turns into a really cool thriller where she's like trapped in isolation with him knowing that he's a murderer and a spy and she's trying to maintain appearances and it's a, yeah it's a very dark effective thriller absolutely and I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned that as well because that's what I mentioned at the, at the top of the podcast it's often the seduction it's that it's that that fleeting look of you know a woman getting changed and then she closes the door or you know that 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 build up of it so that's why the sex scene in this is so very satisfying 
and it's dangerous too. And there's, there's something exciting about dangerous sex as well. Yeah, I mean, she's <laughs> sleeping with a, a killer who's uh, from the other yeah. side. Yeah, Donna Sutherland, nothing about him strikes me as German, but he's always playing like Nazis in these movies like uh, The Eagle Has Landed and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> he just kept getting cast as Nazis for some reason. But yeah, this was I a, just, a I just love him surprise. as an actor. I yeah. really, you know, if someone said to me what's a bad Donald, he might have been in a not so great movie, but he's always good. You know, he's always one of those actors that, that holds up. And, you know, I loved him in JFK. That sh- very short scene in JFK is, Brilliant is Mr. Scene, X. Yeah, yeah and I th- it's one of the most memorable scenes in the movie. I love the movie anyway. But that, that conversation he has on the bench with Kevin Costner is fabulous. But, yeah, so that for me, so that's our second one, Eye of the Needle. All right. Well, let's move on to one of the sexiest movies ever made, also from the same year, 1981, Body Heat, starring William Hurt and... Kathleen Turner. You can stand there with me if you want, but you'll have to agree not to talk about the heat. I'm a married woman. Meaning what? Meaning I'm not looking for company. You should have said I'm a happily married woman. That's my business. What? How happy I am. And how happy is that? You're not too smart, are you? <laughs> I like that in a man. What else do you like? Lazy, ugly, horny? I got them all. You don't look lazy. <laughs> Tell me, does chat like this work with most women? Some, if they haven't been around much. I wondered. Thought maybe I was out of touch. Come on, I buy you a drink. I told you, I've got a husband. I'll buy him one, too. He's out of town. My favorite kind. We'll drink to it. Only comes up on weekends. <laughs> I'm liking him better all the time. You gotta take me up on this quick. In about 45 minutes, I'm gonna get up and go away. You wanna buy me something? Yeah. I'll take one of those. What kind? Cherry. Cherry, make it two. You're not staying in Miranda Beach. I would have noticed you. This town that small? Pinehaven? You're staying down in Pinehaven? On the waterway? You have a house. How'd you know that? You look like Pinehaven. How does Pinehaven look? Well tended. I'm well-tended, all right. Well-tended. What about you? Me? Hmm. I need tending. I need someone to take care of me, someone to rub my tired muscles, smooth out my sheets. Get married. I just need it for tonight. Mm. (laughs) Oh. Oh, nice move, Maddie. Maddie, I like it. Right over your heart. At least it's cool. I was burning up. I should not to talk about the heat. Would you get me a paper towel or something? Dip it in some cold water. Right away. I'll even wipe it off for you. You don't want to lick it? If you have not seen this movie, it, it 
earns its title ten, ten <laughs> times over. But it's also an interesting <laughs> twist because she, as the she's basically the femme fatale, but her body runs just a few degrees hotter than than the Ooh, average yeah. human. But this is Kathleen Turner's feature film debut, and she just comes roaring out of the gate and just crushes it with like the the role of a lifetime. But for people who have not seen Body Heat, how does this uh, sexual tension begin to emerge? Well, straight out of the gate, I mean, it's directed by Lawrence Kasdan, who uh, this was his directorial debut as well. So it's Kathleen Turner's movie debut, and but of course he directed The Big Chill and Accidental Tourist, and Lawrence he also co-wrote Star Wars films and Raiders of the Lost Ark as yeah. well. Yeah, this is when he was at his career high, without a doubt. Absolutely. Well, this is basically inspired by Double Indemnity with um, Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck. And straight out of the gate, we've got uh, uh, Ned Racine, played by William Hurt. Again, William Hurt, like Donald Sutherland, not a typically handsome man, but sexy and and I've, I'm always saying this that you don't. I've met a lot of very attractive people that are not sexy, and I've met people that are not so attractive that are highly sexy. Yeah, I mean Mick Jagger, sex- sexy motherfucker, but got a head like a dog. Damn, yeah, <laughs> like a mango, man, like a mango. Um, but straight away, Ned, William Hurt's character is having sex with a, a woman in a room, so we get the feeling that he is a womanizer, that he's quite promiscuous. And uh, then he, you know, it's based in Florida and everyone's sweating, which kind of makes it sexy yeah. as well. Everybody's just drunk and fucking and smoking the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when <clears throat> he's standing there at that concert, that open-air concert, and she gets up and she walks to go and get some cool air or something and he sees her and the, the look on his face and she, her legs... And hair and that voice as well, and she's just she's just sex on legs, and she walks to get the cool air, and even just that interplay between the two of them, you know, he goes over to to chat her up basically, and they get one of those ice cones, and she spills it on herself, and she's like, oh, good one, Maddie, and and he said, um, and she's like, oh, at least it's cool, and he said, oh, I'll go get you a cloth and wipe it off, and she turns to him as he's walking into the men's toilets, and she says, you don't want to lick it off. Oh, it's so hot, yeah, without a oh, doubt. Yeah, the lordy, dialogue, lordy. The, the dance going back and forth between them is incredible, and you know, just so many great lines, like when she's like, well, I'm a married woman, he's like, meaning what? She's like, well, meaning I'm not looking for company. He says, well, then you should have said I'm a happily married woman, and, and just, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it just, yeah. it's, it's just witty banner going back and forth, but my, I think my favorite line of the movie, and this is when you first see it, you don't quite realize yet what's happening to the character of Ned, but then it becomes obvious later on. But he sees a beautiful woman from behind and says, hey, lady, you want to fuck? And this different woman turns around who's not Kathleen Turner. She goes, gee, I don't know, maybe. This sure is a friendly <laughs> town. And that just makes me howl with laughter. And he looks so confused and horrified and embarrassed. He's like, wow, I feel like a real jerk but like William but he actually Hurt, says it as well. He's like, I feel like an idiot. You know, when yeah, Maddie walks over he and he's like, oh, I can't believe so well. it. You know? Yeah, and 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 again, as you said, the great lines in this, because uh, he said, you know, I need someone to tend to me and care for me, and she, and Maddie says to him, get, get married, and he says, I only need it for tonight, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and it's just and and again another scene when she she invites him back to see her wind chimes, which I use that expression all the time now. If someone's trying to seduce another person, you want to come and see my wind chimes? Absolutely. Um, so she invites him back to see the wind chimes, and then she, uh, you know, she's she's playing with his emotions and his sexual, and she's like, right, you got to leave now. So he walks out outside the house, but there she is, just standing inside, 
with the that red skirt on with her beautiful yeah, legs. Yeah, very Freudian skirt. She oh. like her, and she, her chest is kind of heaving as she breathes in and out, and she just yeah. she's gonna make him break in with lust. That's it. That's it. And look, I'm I'm very much one for. I'd be like, oh, now I've got to go and get the window fixed. But um, <laughs> he he picks up the lawn chair because she's just going, come and get me, tiger. Uh, but she's not going to let him in. She's not going to make this easy for him. And so he grabs the lawn chair and he smashes the patio window. Uh, and I'm sure there'd be glass everywhere. But and and then he just takes her, grabs her, and then we just get a lot of very hot sex scenes. But this, don't be fooled. This is a good twist there's a good twist in this there's a good oh, it's mystery it's a great it's a good hard mystery thriller. noir yeah. it's so watchable and so entertaining and it's like what's great about some of the movies you picked is you start seeing things like this in basic instinct where they started dusting off old-fashioned things that were done in the 40s and 50s where they just didn't have the opportunity to include sex like hitchcock would have loved to include a bunch of great sex scenes in his movies but he just couldn't and something like to catch a thief or vertigo or whatever the case might be but with basic instinct suddenly it's vertigo with sex and like with this it's basically it's double indemnity or uh any great like hardball noir from the 40s but with yep. the additional appeal of uh the stars just getting completely nude and apparently as an icebreaker on the set like a, a lot's being talked about today about what's the best way to handle sex scenes on the sets so everybody feels comfortable well there there's a great example here william hurt and kathleen turner both totally nude wanted the crew to feel comfortable so they lined up the crew in a line and both actors introduced themselves to each and every single crew member and <laughs> as they did it both stars were totally naked but after that everybody was comfortable and, and ready to go to work oh, I, I, I love that I, I, I think that's great and also we've got you've got to have sax not sex sax you've got to have some good sax uh, in in your in your score for these sort of movies, and of course the score was done by John Barry, and you know it's, the saxophone is just that. It's a very sexy instrument. The saxophone. There's a lot of saxophone and a lot of. These, as I, was, I made a little highlight reel before the episode, just so I could kind of see one scene from every movie, and I was watching. I was like, "There's like sexy saxophone in like half of these." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to bring in the sax for the sex, babe. Uh, so that's that's what's done. But yeah, the, the score is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the Maddie character was actually based on Lauren Bacall, because. Uh, that's part of the reason that Kathleen Turner was cast because she's she, got the she similar it. husky voice. Well, she's doing her own thing. I mean, Kathleen Turner's got massive chops as an actress. She's, I, I, was, I had a huge crush on her as a kid. I watched pretty much everything she did in the 80s as a, as a little boy. But yeah. I think Lauren Bacall, while she came roaring out of the gate with To Have and Have Not, Kathleen Turner definitely does her – Like, it's a great – spiritual homage to that character Bacall played but at the same time Kathleen Turner takes it into very dark terrain because she is you know spoiler alert she's a killer she's a great manipulator and she manipulates people into doing violent things and it's it's a, an incredible role that the, that they cooked up for that's it it's it, it's not just her just being sexy because when she starts to get found out when she starts to when it all starts to unravel uh, her performance then especially you know, she really steps it up, and and it, it's just great. And, and you know, I mean, I, I could have easily put um, "Romancing the Stone" on here as well. I think that's quite a sexy film. I know it's like a sort of Indiana Jones, but her relationship with Michael Douglas, I'm 100% sure. And I said this when we podcasted "Romancing the Stone" that the two of them had a bit of a menage, a, not a menage a trois, but a, had an affair. 
while they, because the chemistry is so electric. And of course, then they went on to do War of the Roses as yeah, well. Yeah, uh, Love and War of the Roses is a great film. scene early on when uh, it's raining and you can see through her shirt and she she's talking about her gymnastic skills and she goes into a handstand and spreads her legs. And Michael Douglas <laughs> is like, I love Nantucket. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they did a lot yeah. of great stuff together. So I, I saw I saw them in a lot of movies as a kid. So I've always uh, loved seeing them on the screen together. And and you know, speaking of Michael Douglas, we should probably uh, go over to Basic Instinct. Do you reckon? Would you tell us the nature of your relationship with Mr. Boz? I had sex with him for about a year and a half. I liked having sex with him. He wasn't afraid of experimenting. I like men like that. Men who give me pleasure. He gave me a lot of pleasure. You ever uh, engage in any sadomasochistic activity? Exactly what did you have in mind, Mr. Corelli? You ever tie him up? No. You never tied him up? No. Johnny liked to use his hands too much. I like hands and fingers. You describe a uh, white silk scarf in your book. I've always had a fondness for white silk scarves. They're good for all occasions. But you said you like men to use their hands, didn't you? No, I said I like Johnny to use his hands. I don't make any rules, Nick. I go with the flow. All right, so we're okay. going to press pause on the 80s for the time being, and we're going to skip ahead to one of the most iconic sexual thrillers in movie history, maybe the most iconic well-known sexual thriller in movie history. So as I mentioned before, Michael Douglas, he later on would appear, I think, age 46 or 47 in Basic Instinct. And I covered this uh, with uh, Bill Scurry on our Naughty 90s Nostalgia episode like six, seven months ago. But Ooh, nice. we did not get the perspective of the great Vijay Von LaRue at that time. So <laughs> I'm going to turn things over to you. For people who have been living under a rock for the last 28 years, what is going on with Basic Instinct? Oh, basic, basic Instinct is the one I did the least notes about because I've seen it so many times. Uh, it is, uh, you know, we've got Sharon Stone, again, I think at her most beautiful and her sexiest as Catherine Trammell, Michael Douglas as Detective Nick Curran. We've got Jeannie Triplehorn as Dr. Beth Garner. Uh, First of all, uh, I get if you're going to watch Basic Instinct, get the DVD unrated director's cut. Uh, don't don't go with the censored stuff. Any movie, any movie. If there's if there's the director's cut or an uncut version, get that because that's always the, the better version of it. But you know, Catherine Trammell's basically this incredibly wealthy. Uh, it, it, it's a good thing to debate how many people she actually does murder in this in this yeah, it's, movie. A, it's, a, it's ambiguous but she definitely mm. is a killer or at a minimum has the capacity to kill and she likes writing books and i'm not too sure if you'd be that rich i don't think i could be bothered writing books i'd just be living up my life uh, going down to the beach having a swim or let's going to my, the clubs i don't think i could be bothered sitting down and writing books but uh, yeah good on her that's that's what she does but she bases all the books on situations she's had a very shady past we find out uh and uh, she's it seems that uh, i think at one point in the movie someone says you know every every person this woman comes in contact with dies uh and she, she's very open regarding her sexuality she doesn't like wearing underwear 
Um, I call bullshit on the whole f- fact that Sharon Stone said, oh, I didn't know they were going to, you know, when she's being interviewed. Yeah, there's definitely she a she said, she said thing there where, where Paul yeah. Verhoeven says that she was totally down for the scene and she thought it would be a great way to almost like a cat playing with like the, like the mice in the, uh, in the interrogation scene, but that when uh, her management saw it, they were horrified and thought it was going to hurt her career, and then she changed her story. The, the long and the short is, it is the most freeze-frame moment in movie yep. history. No, no other movie comes close, and it made her a, a global sexual icon. But apparently that moment comes from some college party that uh, Paul Verhoeven went to where there was a, a journalist who's married to a professor who liked kind of stirring the pot a bit, and she kept doing that move, and he walked up and said, you know, every time you cross your legs, like, everybody can see, like, see everything. She says, like, are you an idiot? That's, like, that's why I do it. Like, <laughs> and so he, he well, I, I know I believe, um, I believe Paul Verhoeven's – I mean – <clears throat> all this, oh, I wasn't aware and all it. No, of course. Well, first of all, you're not wearing underwear, so wouldn't you question what, why am I? And, and she supposedly said, he said, it's because the light's reflect, reflecting off your underwear, but you're wearing a white dress. So, yeah. you know, you, she that was planned and she knew and, and why not? If you look like that, uh, and she's a natural blonde, so why not? Uh, so, as you said, it's gone down as one of the most iconic scenes from a, a sexy movie Ever. And, and we know that Michael Douglas, you know, when Michael Douglas does a sex scene <clears throat> in this, even when he was like, you know, I, oh, I know there was a lot of controversy regarding the scene with, with Jeannie Triplehorn, the way he has sex. But Yeah, I mean, and also it was the rehearsal that made it into the movie. They, they didn't know the rehearsal was being filmed and it's a really aggressive, borderline violent sexual scene, but... It is also a turn on, and this is when we get into uh, kind of dangerous territory for some people because it's hard to define exactly what's going on there. But there's no denying that both he and she are getting off on this really like almost violent altercation between the two of them. But I think it's one of the mm. hottest scenes in the movie. But it also is I one agree. of the ones that makes you feel like, oh my god, like am I going to get in trouble for watching this? Well, I think I think people that look, it's very very easy to judge other people's sexuality like if you're if you're you know that vanilla couple that you know sex once a month and it's just him on top of you um 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 and you're done right and then you both read a book both read a book or you know go and do some knitting or something fine if that's but there are people i like that sort of sex i personally <laughs> i'm revealing a bit here but i i like that i don't like this whole softy softy cuddly cuddly waddly waddly I'm, I'm i like that i like he rips her shirt open you know and i agree with you i think actually think it's one of the more sexiest sex scenes in this movie and michael douglas in his own life had admitted has admitted that he is a sex maniac, so he really throws himself into the sex scenes. And he's and, and the almost same as with, violent um, to himself as is her. Like he at one point basically yeah. does like a reverse body slam where he throws them into a wall, but like it's his back up to the wall, and she's leaning around like, and like that really aggressive kissing where they're basically eating each other. Yeah, it's an yeah. really intense scene, and it happens relatively early in the film as well. And you know that's the thing. There are a lot of sex scenes in this movie. You've got and you've got sexy scenes like when uh, Catherine and Roxy are at the club. Oh God! In the bathroom stall when she kicks the door yeah. closed. It's like, oh my God, what's going on behind that door? That's the hottest thing yeah. I've ever seen. <laughs> and even when they're dancing and Roxy's getting jealous, and you know, it turns out like Roxy likes to watch, and you know, and and it's this. Uh, 
once she's finished with him, she gets bored with him, but he's not tolerating that anymore. And that's very common in a lot of movies as well. I mean, certainly uh, one of the movies, uh, Presumed Innocent, is the same thing. You're no longer of use to me, so I no longer need you. And again, it's this femme fatale character that I absolutely yeah, love. I love the way she casually kind of caresses Roxy when she's around. She'll just kind of gently stroke her nipple or whatever the case might be. And yeah, just, yeah. it's a very intimate, familiar way that they uh, behave together. And yeah, it's just uh, it's sizzling. Yeah, absolutely. So there's not a lot more we could say about Basic Instinct. I, I think most people have seen it. Uh, if, if you haven't, as you said, if you've been living under a rock, do, do check it out uh, unless you're, you know, precious or whatever. But it, it is just, uh, it's a steaming hot good and good stories too. I'm not just going to pick movies where it's just full of sex and there's nothing to it. These, exactly. these movies have very good acting. They have really good stories to them uh, and... Uh, you know, as you said, they're, they're very diverse, but I'll leave it up to you as to what movie we want to go to next. Yeah, well, just one last thing about Basic Instinct is that I loved how the director, he knew there's been a lot of opportunities for both the studio as well as for the stars to chicken out. And while he was basically developing and selling the movie and getting everybody on board, he had these very detailed storyboards drawn on. He's like, look, this is what I'm going to shoot. Every left, right, top, bottom, every angle, you are going to be completely naked. I'm going to be showing you sucking titties. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show oral sex. I'm going to show everything. I don't want to hear any debate or any negotiation about what's going on. This is the movie that we are shooting, and it's like he just had that bravado where he just said, "Look, I, I'm going to make the movie that was written by Joe Esterhaus because it's one of the hottest screenplays going around Hollywood. It sold for three million dollars." And he wow. really just had the courage of his convictions and went all in, and it became one of the biggest hits of that year. So obviously it totally paid off. The older I get, the more respect I have for him as a filmmaker his entire career. He's just always gone his own way, and I've got nothing but the utmost respect for him. But I guess if we're going to, just for the sake of keeping my uh, organizational structure intact, we're going to go swing <laughs> back to where we were, where we left off before. So yep. we left off before in the early 80s, and now we've got from 1983, the great Tony Scott and The Hunger. And if people have not seen Ooh. this, it's Captain Deneuve, Susan Sarandon, <laughs> David Bowie, and it's one of the sexiest movies of that entire... In a decade, just teeming with sexy movies, The Hunger is close to the top of the list. Yes. 
I know this is a, a, a lot of, uh, it's a very gothic movie uh, and it's beautifully filmed. It's very different from the Tony Scott that we know later on, you know, with, with, with like Man on Fire and yeah, True, Days True of Romance. Like Days of Thunder is the, the change in his aesthetic. This is still like the European, like Euro sleaze Tony Scott. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I've got beautiful Catherine Deneuve uh, as, as Miriam... Blaylock and, and David Bowie. I'm going to a David Bowie concert uh, as John Blaylock and, of course, Susan Sarandon very early on in her career as Sarah Roberts. Susan was, uh, bless her heart, and she's got great, good bosoms too. If you've got good bosoms, why not show them off? And yeah. she, she does a lovely, beautiful, Yeah, going full... back to Rocky Horror Picture Show, she showed her nipples <clears> in that, and then obviously like things yep. like Pretty Baby and Atlantic City and The Hunger. Yep. And, in, and she's one of the – there are a couple of actors who appear in multiple movies on this list, whether you're talking about like mm. John Hurt or Susan Sarandon or Uma Thurman, but like there are a couple of actresses that just keep popping up. And so, uh, yeah, but Susan Sarandon pops up in another one as well. And, yeah, she's got that weird, lean, bony thing going with these giant – tatas and it's, she she looks fantastic and she had an affair with david bowie while she was making it and then she had this yeah. great line where she was talking about how um she didn't want it to be appear as if she had been intoxicated while being seduced so she just had like one sip and her, her quote was about the scene you wouldn't have to get drunk to, to bed Catherine deneuve i don't care what your sexual history to that point had been and i totally yeah. agree Catherine deneuve is one of the greatest sexual icons in movie history from any country, from any era. And uh, she... Stunning. And, yeah, she and Susan Sarandon, you hear the, the flower duet and the, the seduction and the watching of the taking off of the shirt. And it's so beautifully photographed and has this sweet melancholy opera going on. But I think it's one of the most stunningly shot and just atmospheric sex scenes in any movie that I've ever seen. That's the, the whole movie from like the opening titles is... Really, um, you know, this flaying curtains, white curtains. And it's interesting, I mean, in case people don't even know the movie, I mean, it is about a, a married couple that are vampires, but the movie, vamp- the word vampire is never actually used. And and I like the way, nothing's ever graphically done regarding, you know, the tearing of throats or anything like that. In fact, they've got those lovely little Egyptian knives that or they use to, to they slash. Are, yeah, because yeah, we don't... If you're expecting like big vampire teeth and all that, you're not going to get that in this movie. Uh, these are vampires with very good teeth, um, but uh, Susan Sarandon works as in as sort of like a skin clinic or something like that. And David Bowie's character of John Blaylock is aging, and that's not what Miriam Blaylock had promised. And Miriam turns out Miriam's like six thousand years old, and when she became lovers with John, he was three hundred years. Old, or he became he is 300 years old, but he was basically recruited in the 18th century. Um, <laughs> I, I love this when he goes to the skin clinic and, and he ages there, about he's just, and he's just aging, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. While he's waiting to see Susan Sarandon's character, but he lights up a cigarette, and the nurse says, Oh, there's no smoking in here. And I said, Well, why is there an ashtray there? You know, I'm sorry, if there's an ashtray, you should be allowed to smoke. <laughs> well, you talked earlier about how much you love seduction scenes. This movie opens with one of the all-time great seduction scenes where you got Bauhaus playing Bella Lugosi's Dead, and they're at this club. And David Bowie and Catherine Deneuve are just the coolest-looking vampires in history. They're like wearing shades and leather and armor, and they're, just, they're on the prowl. They're on the hunt. They are looking for dinner, but they're looking for a little action first. And they find a couple that's uh, equally excited and on the prowl and looking for action as well. And then they take them home, and they take them like the you know they kind of pair off into different rooms 
And it is just sizzling stuff, especially the seduction scene between David Bowie and the girl on the counter, and it's kind of spreading her knees apart. And yeah, it's, um, I think when it comes to vampire seduction scenes followed by the feed, it's as good as any sequence from any vampire film I've ever seen. Absolutely, yeah. It 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 is. Uh, and, and Catherine Deneuve actually, you, you mentioned uh, Susan Sarandon having an affair with David Bowie. Uh, she actually hooked up with the cameraman Hugh nice. Johnson, and they and they ended up living together for two years. <laughs> uh, so a lot of people get hooking up in this movie. Um, and another thing, I remember the first time I ever saw this movie, I always thought the child that comes in for the classical lessons by the two of them was a boy. It's not. It's a girl. I don't know why I thought because they actually say the child's name. Uh, he ends up. Uh, killing the little girl uh, and feeding on her to to try and restore his youth, but it you know don't no spoilers, but we we do find out well it is a spoiler I suppose we do find out that Miriam has been collecting partners through her you know well she has been around for six you know, thousand years, years yeah. so she's basically um, like an, an immortal goddess at this point yeah. But it turns out even though they age and you think they're dead and and she puts them away in a casket. They're not dead. That's where it gets really dark because yeah, you find absolutely. out yeah, the, 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 the they're not the movie dead. It's almost narratively incoherent. However, I think when it comes to style, Tony Scott, I, I, I really like his career quite a bit. But if I was going to – both a criticism as well as a compliment, sometimes he's all about style over substance. And at this point, he just, go, he just really goes for it. And so the screenplay, I guess it's a trilogy of books. The other two books never got adapted – but I don't quite know what's going on at the end, but I don't care because the style and the atmosphere and the music and the visuals are so stunning and so intoxicating, you just go along for the ride. Absolutely. And we should, and should, we should mention as well, of course, uh, Dick Smith did the, did the makeup, did the old man makeup and did all the makeup for all the, the characters at the end there as well. And, of course, he did the makeup for The Exorcist and four billion other movies. Uh, and he was very well respected within the effects community as well as being one of the groundbreaking people in effects. So uh, yeah, this this is fun, and it's just that the whole film just feels sexy. Even when there's n- nothing sexual happening in the movie, it still feels sexy, you know. So I, I apart from the very end, which is not so sexy, yeah. but it's definitely definitely an erotic horror. Absolutely, it's one of the it's one of yeah. the great erotic horror films, and Tony Scott as a director is sorely missed. But moving on to yet another, I guess. I don't know if this is as iconic or as notorious as Basic Instinct, but prior to the release of Basic Instinct, this might have been the most notorious kind of sexy Hollywood movie ever made, but we've got nine and a half weeks. Thank you. 
Adrian Lin, a director who mm-hmm. will come up again before the end of this conversation. But for 1986, <laughs> yeah. Mickey Rourke. Kim Basinger, once again, there's an uncut version of this movie that is available, but the true uncut version of this movie has never been seen because Kim Basinger apparently owns 14 hours of deleted scenes that MGM thought were psychologically damaging to people, but the footage has never been made available that. Release for it, public Kim. viewing. Yeah. We want to see it. We want to see it, and we'll pay for it and release that stuff on Blu-ray. We want to see the full uncut Uncut. Yeah, well, this version is, she, she might have won an Oscar for LA Confidential, but she says this is her favorite movie she ever made. She felt like a real actress for the first time when she made this, so lay it on us. Give, give us the lowdown on what's so juicy about this particular movie. Well, it's, I think this, this film uh, certainly, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily unique at the time, but I, I certainly thought that it encouraged films like Secretary uh, and Fifty Shades of Grey. Which I can't stand. Yeah, that, they, uh, if, if you want S and M for like kindergartners and like watch Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fifty Shades, written by a woman that's never experienced any of this stuff. Yeah, the S and M community thinks Fifty Shades of Grey is completely, totally absurd. It, it is. It is completely. That's that's it. Someone gave me someone gave me the book and I ended up using it as a coaster um, because I started reading it and I just it's just dribble. Um, but this, if you want it, this this is a very mild, I think version it can get very gross uh a a lot of that stuff for me uh you know like the whole you know lick this ashtray and all that sort of stuff but this this is is sexy and and mickey Rourke never looked as good as what he did in this film kim basin they made him lose 30 pounds for it so they yeah they're like all the all the all the all the that beer belly's got to go before you get before you get naked with kim basinger yeah absolutely can't have a beer belly um and you know it, it, we've got the famous scene that's that was parodied in Hot Shots with the fridge and the food, uh, and he blindfolds her, and it, it is a it is a power play. She does get to the point at the end of the film where she's like, right, that's it, that's enough. When he, I think it's when he asks her to crawl to him across the the, the carpet, and she's like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, and, uh, and another thing she doesn't like is when she's blindfolded and he brings in a, po- a prostitute to massage her breasts, and she's less enthused about that sort of thing. But it, the story that it's based on apparently is much darker. Elizabeth McNeil wrote it, and I think the book came out in the late 70s. But apparently in real life, at one point she was kept handcuffed to a coffee table for like a, a huge chunk of the time. It was not like an erotic book. It was more of a disturbing book. So they basically took the premise – took out most of the darkness and kept in kept in the sex like well how can we like just spray down the streets of new york with a lot of water make them very photogenic <laughs> and play some 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 great tunes and just turn them loose and I've, i think this movie really peaks during this bit where they go out to dinner and she's dressed up as a man with a mustache and they're smoking cigars and he's telling her stories about like basically telling stories about her to her but there's a lot of role playing and a lot of strange scenarios that they're cooking up and then some people who think they're gay afterwards attack them in the street chase them to the streets they have like a big fight Kim Basinger stabs like with a knife and suddenly the music kicks in and they are just boning in this wet stairwell with rain pouring yeah. down on them and it is just it's it's one of the it's one of the iconic 80s sequences you know i i could have easily done a list on awkward places to have sex and that's one of them i mean uh, new york's that, a kind of a dirty town and when it rains yeah. <laughs> it kind of washes a lot of that away but you don't want to let a lot of like soot and rainwater get all over you but I, as you're as i was watching nah. that last night i was thinking to myself yeah that's probably like the least comfortable scene to shoot imagine because you're you're wet and cold and dirty 
for days and trying to pretend as if you're reaching sexual ecstasy and you know Kim Basinger <laughs> screaming and squealing with delight and kicking their clothes off and but it's wild and of course Kim Basinger she's one of the most stunningly beautiful actresses in movie history but I think this is when she reached her peak in just terms of like physical like just how alluring she was oh absolutely and you know she's got I mean she was very sexy in Batman she had the, she's got wonderful blonde thick hair uh, uh, which is unusual for blondes to have that wonderful hair, uh, and that, but she's got it cut in a bob cut, and it looks really good and sexy and cute on her as well. Not necessarily cute, but she's just smoking hot, and of course she works for a gallery because that's what you know sexy women do. Work yeah. for galleries. In the eighties, every woman, uh, every woman was for an art gallery, and every guy works in finance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at the, yeah, the Wall Street or something like that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, there, there are places. Look, there's no nowhere better than a bed. Really, because you know, throughout these movies that have picked, you've you've got people having sex in very awkward places, and you know, you want to be comfortable. And I, I think the stairs is probably the worst. You don't want to have sex in a pool, and you don't want to have sex in a bath. Uh, none of those things work. They look great on movies, and they seem very sexy in movies, but they're not practical places to to be boning. I find. Well, I think one of the least practical, but one of my favorite scenes is when she does this show in his home, and suddenly his home has like club lighting. It's almost like he spent a million dollars just set, setting up like sex lighting. She's doing all these dances and like answering the phone and tying herself up with the cord and just putting on this incredible show and dancing all over the place. And you really just get to see what a physical specimen Kim Basing was at the time. But she seems like she's having just so much damn fun just, just showing off and Mickey Work just sits back and takes in the And show. I love his reaction as well while he's like he's clapping and he's enjoying himself. So he's not this strict stern but like they, they both find joy when they are finding the joy together they are finding joy but that dance to you know joe cocker's you can leave your hat on i mean it's just it's just so sexy you know i think even most straight women would watch that and go yeah i'll cross over for the night yeah yeah, yeah absolutely uh, <laughs> um but uh yeah and, and of course we've got uh, brian ferry slave to love as well great soundtrack and i forgot to mention the good score from basic instinct as well a really great I keep forgetting how good the score is in Basic Instinct yeah it's one of the essential you know, scores for a sexual thriller but is it Jerry Goldsmith I think so yeah I think you know and it, I mean I'm not going to try and sing it but but this has got I, I also like you've, you've either got your movies with the great scores or you've got movies that put together really good songs and this nine and a half weeks has got some great songs and I forgot how sexy Slave to Love by Brian Ferry is that's a very sexy song yeah, I think my one well. knock against nine and a half weeks is that I think Story-wise, it's weaker compared to some of Adrian Lin's other movies like Fatal Attraction or Jacob's Ladder. And as I was watching, I was thinking to myself, yeah, there's not really any plot. It's all about just waiting for these incredible scenes where they're playing these various games and like to what degree she's going to want to play them or cooperate or when she's going to finally throw up her hands and say that she's she's had enough. But I think uh, story-wise, I like a lot of Adrian Lin's other movies more but mm-hmm. you just you can't top Mickey Rourke and Kim Basinger in their physical prime just having one scene after another together. It, yeah, it's a movie that just breathes and screams sex out of every pore. That's it. That's why I had to make my list because I, 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 I hadn't seen it for so long and giving it a rewatch again, I was like, yeah, that, that, that makes me fidget. Yep, yep, yeah, for sure. No, uh, it, so, yeah, it, it made the list. It makes me fidget as well. It's definitely, uh, <laughs> it, it pushes all those buttons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, nine and a half weeks. It's a very sexy, as I said, it's been parodied 
all over the place. Uh, the, the one in Hot Shots is very, very funny with um, Charlie Sheen and Yeah, Valerie. when the, the olive goes from the belly button to the mouth. And yeah. Which apparently they're <laughs> And he sizzles the, first the bacon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sizzles the bacon on a stomach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, so that, that, that's Adrian. Uh, look, I agree. Um, I think Fatal Attraction is, is more in-depth. But for what this movie is, it's directed well and acted well. And it is just a you know, sexual adventure. I would say. And another thing uh. we should bring up is that a lot of directors at this time worried that due to the AIDS epidemic that sex was basically going to be driven out of movies entirely and a lot of movies like Basic Instinct were basically trying to keep like the sexual genre alive but if you were to pick between the 80s and the 90s this is a question that I always ask for anybody who's interested in these kinds of films but which decade is hotter? Like which decade did it better? 80s erotic thrillers or 90s erotic th- thrillers? Because one answer that I've heard is that the 80s movies are better shot, better written, better stars, but that the 90s movies perhaps have, um, I guess, maybe more <laughs> to choose more, from. I, th- I, would, I would say that a lot of the 80s sexual movies are more a romp, uh, and I think the 90s, they really embrace the sort of noir. But then again, you can go back to Body Heat, which is 80s, so... And early 80s as well. So I guess the 90s brought on like the straight-to-video, like Shannon Tweed and like Shannon Worry, those low-budget erotic thriller genre. And it seems to have really yeah. flourished in the early 90s prior to the arrival of internet porn. Well, and then you've got to think, uh, I'm pretty sure it's 90s actually, of course, Mickey Rourke went on to, with his then-girlfriend at the time, Carrie Otis did uh, Wild Orchid, mm-hmm. I think it was called. Um, and which is, is has full on penetration. For, yeah. yeah, full on penetration. They went there, mate. I'll have to give that a rewatch to see if you can see an erect dick in that. You can. It's a weird thing where some people claim it just from the angle. It, it's almost like she's kind of like dry humping over his penis, like because you, you can't really tell because the camera's looking down. But from mm. my perverted vantage point, it looks like full on penetration. But you can definitely see his dick. How hard or flaccid <laughs> it might be. I guess it's up we to might, the beholder to decide. We might have to research this, James. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Do, do, do some more freeze framing. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be watching that as soon as we finish this podcast, actually. Just to, just to you know, very important to, to research these in the, things, In I the find. name of research and posterity, et cetera. Well, let's yep. move on to another movie that I'd never seen prior to getting uh, prepared for this episode, White Mischief from 1987, one of two movies starring John Hurt, one of two movies with Hugh Grant, and one of two movies with Greta Scacchi. Is that how you say her name? But there are a lot of actors. Scacchi, yep. And uh, this one was wild. And so, mm. yeah, give, give me the, uh, the elevator pitch of what's going on here. I adore this movie, and uh, I know that when we podcasted it, uh, my podcast buddy, Angry Man, had never seen it either. Uh, and I think my mother and myself are the only people on earth that have seen this movie. I have met Greta Skarki. I saw her, uh, one of my friends is a director, actor at a theatre house, and she was starring in, uh, I think, Elizabeth. She was playing Elizabeth in a play, and I got to meet her, and she actually didn't have a copy of White Mischief. It's hard so to this find. Is how I, I had to order is. just an old-school DVD and to, to get my hands mm. on it. Yep, yep. Uh, this is directed by Michael Radford. This is uh, based on the true story or the true stories of the Happy Valley crowd. Uh, this is during uh, World War II, and they all buggered off away from England because of the war and because uh, in Kenya it was a British colony at the time. So uh, they went over there. They had too much money and too much time, and they were just a bunch of bored British aristocrats, hedonistic and debauched 
lives they were living Sounds there. Sounds like heaven. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Yeah, sign me up. Uh, this is another affair movie with murder. Quite a few of those on my list. I do like it. Uh, as you said, got Greta Skarki as Diana Broughton, and we've got Charles yeah, People will probably have seen her, or probably most best know her from like uh, the player. She plays the Goodman's daughter, the g- girlfriend of Tim yeah. Robbins that he leaves his previous girlfriend for. Yes, in the in, in the white. She was pregnant at the time when she made that movie, so that's why she's in that big white flowy outfit in that film. Uh, but yeah, Charles Dance, of course, for for, for young, younger, Lannister, ta- yeah. younger folk, Tywin Lannister. Uh, he plays Joss Hay, the Earl of Errol. Uh, we've got Joss Auckland, wonderful actor. A lot of people, of course, will remember him from Lethal Weapon to Diplomatic Abs- Immunity. Absolutely, hell yeah. And yeah. we've also got a very old Trevor Howard, who's so mm. pruned and wrinkled from the excessive drinking that he's unrecognizable in the 40s. One of the yep. best-looking guys in British cinema. By the time you get mm-hmm. to here, it's like, oh my god, this is what decades of hard drinking will do to you. Absolutely. You look at any actor, especially actor, but quite a few actresses as well that that were alcoholics or very, very heavy drinkers. And and sadly, you know, and I like a drink as much as the next person, but it does take effect on the old face and health and liver and you know when when it's when it's hardcore drinking. Um, but so we've got Sarah Miles. As well as Alistair Jance, and as you said, John Hurt as Gilbert Colville. Everyone's great in this. This is, again, you can read about this online. It is based on a true story. We get to see Greta Skarki in all her absolute glorious beauty yeah, and I her mean, beautiful body. Rack attack. Awesome bazumbas, but incredible glamour when she's all dressed to the oh. nines. It's like, oh my God. How like, stunning is she? her. Yeah, how stunning is she? And even the party that, that they go to where all the men... If you want if you want to see Tywin Lannister in a dress, watch this movie. Yeah, I mean, so, this is a really kinky <laughs> movie where these people have so little to do that one of the things they do to, just to occupy their time, they do a lot of swinging, like wife swapping and things like that, and they have all these parties yeah. where everybody sits around debating who's going to fuck each other's husbands and wives on that particular evening. And I mean that's that scene right at the the very beginning where, where I can't remember the character's name and she's standing she's having a bath and then she stands up she's completely naked and they're all sitting around men and women and she's like who's going to fuck me they're, they're making arrangements as to whose wife they're all going to fuck and turns out you know they blow a feather to find out who's going to sleep with who for that night they're and, so blase you know, about it because they're all so familiar yeah. with each other at this point like any any uh, cooties that are going around everybody's already got them so they're not even worried about that. So. <laughs> Everybody's just having fun, but then they have this like this um, dressed in drag party where the the men of all ages dress as women, including the diplomatic immunity guy. He's dressed like an old lady, and yeah, everybody's mm. dressed like as men and women. And it's a really sexy thing. We're just seeing some of the people who are getting into the role playing, and then of course you have all these in- astonishing scenes where you're looking at uh, sketchy sketchy's just epic nude body behind these diaphanous mosquito curtains. But if you want to get a look at Charles Dance in the buck, he's hanging out in like windows, kind of draped in shadow, but looking very svelte as well. But I think the most, I guess, seductive scene is he basically in front, in front of her drops all of his clothes apart from his shorts who got to swim in the ocean. And shortly thereafter, boom, she joins him in the water, off comes the top, and all their friends are just cheering him on in spite of the fact that everybody knows yeah. she's married to this, uh, to this old bastard. Absolutely. They're at that beautiful beach house. I was going to say that's one of my f- sexiest scenes. And even the scene where old Trevor Howard is, is Jack Soames is like perving. They're, they're staying at his house. 
and and he's got his little peephole and he's looking at Greta yeah, in, in the bathtub. Yeah. Dirty old perv, but why not? Why wouldn't you? Goodness, I'd be perving at her. But that scene where she joins him and that's the first time, because they meet each other at a party and he says, I'm going to sleep with you or something like that. And he's a known cat. Uh, she's warned about that. She's known, And he doesn't told, have a penny to his name, unlike her husband who's rich. Rich, that's it. And she's, of course, the young, beautiful wife married to the older man. Uh, this was a big incident back then uh, with, with the murder of Joss. And uh, I think it was pretty clear that, you know, that Sir Henry Jock Delves Broaden did murder him uh, through jealousy. I think it was one of those things, he, in the characters reserved to know that he is married to a much younger, very, very beautiful woman. He's an old man. Nothing worse than, you know, being a young woman having sex with an old man. Um, but, you know, she's in it for the money. And 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 interestingly enough, uh, uh, later on, she, and, this, and this actually happened, she went on to marry the, the Gilbert Colville, the John Hurt character. Gotcha. Well, he does t- put the moves on her at one point in the movie and, mm. and takes her out to, like, his, uh, his I guess, his, his, like, hunting estate. But I think... One of the most interesting moments in the whole movie, just to show how intimate and how passionate everybody was and how close everybody was, while it's very easy to see all the pitfalls of everybody sleeping around, but when Charles Dance's body is laid out on a slab for examination and all the women that were in his life come in to see him, one of the women starts rubbing below and down between her thighs. Alistair Jance. Yeah, and yeah. she rubs just a few juices on his lips as a way of saying yeah. goodbye. But it's like, oh my God. Like, it wasn't just everybody sleeping around for, for like, you know, fun and games. Like, there was like, a real intimacy and just a real passion and intensity between all of them. It makes you look at everything that they're doing in a different light. That's it. You watch this movie and you think, this, someone's written it, this isn't true. It is true. In fact, they covered over a lot of if you, there's a there's actually a, another british movie on this same subject written by one of the daughters of one of the the couples uh and how life was for her during this entire time now not everybody that not all the british that were in kenya were doing this is that's why this particular group were called the happy valley mob uh but it's a very interesting to research but if you can find white mischief and and james what would you give it out of t- like did did you genuinely enjoy the film oh yeah i was totally invested I mean, the, obviously, the, the erotic scenes were really special, but it's it's, mm. pr- it's a proper movie. Yes, yeah, well directed, beautiful, looks beautiful. The Maasai and all that. Yeah, I mean, Michael Kenya Radford and... did like uh, Il Postino and um, what was the one the, the Dancing at the Blue Iguana? But yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a really good director. Yep, yep, and and yeah, it's worth. It, it's hard to track down, but it's worth it. So all right. Well, uh, As we move into the late 80s, we have a lot of movies in 1988, but let's start with the one that you mentioned earlier that's one of the big ones where you remember fidgeting at a young age, but we've got (laughs) Two Moon Junction from 1988, (laughs) which I'd never seen in its entirety. I'd seen, like, the scene a million times Mm. over the last 20 years, but I'd never seen the movie, and... um, you know, I think uh, Sherilyn Finn was a little embarrassed by the movie afterwards when she saw the final product, but there's no denying this is a Sherilyn Finn at her most stunning. This is after, <laughs> like, after the Wraith and before Twin Peaks, and she, yeah. she just plays a Southern Belle who's having a roll in the hay with a guy from the other side of the tracks before she succumbs to the pressures of uh, aristocratic Southern society. So, In Alabama. <laughs> yeah. How well do you think this movie plays as a movie apart from the big money shot scene that goes on for, I think, like four and a half minutes <laughs> toward yeah. the oh, end yeah. of the movie? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You get the full... The, the, the fact that she can say, oh, you know, I was four... No, you could have easily said, what, I've got to get fully naked? Stuff you, I'm not doing it, right? Uh, we've got to take control of our own lives 
podcast regarding these decisions. But uh, she, yeah, Sherilyn Fenn is just stunning. She's got she's a naturally uh, dark haired girl. Uh, we saw her boobies in the race, um, but she's got this this white hair. Uh, but she's still stunning. Those eyes and those lips, those, those sleepy sleepy eyes, and we get her. You know, at one point she's at the club and she's she's having a shower and she she ends up masturbating as she's looking through the pe- again a peephole at, at the the naked guys Bunch in the next locker room. and balls through the hole in the wall. Yeah. 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 We got Richard Tyson as Perry uh, when he was cast. I know that uh, this is this is actually directed and written by Zalman King. Now he uh, we mentioned Wild Orchid. He did Wild Orchid. <laughs> it's also the um, I believe the feature film debut of Mia Jovovich, who's like thirteen or fourteen in it. Yeah, yeah, plays the plays the younger sister. We've got Christy McNichol as Patty Jean. She's great in this. She's really great. We've got the wonderful Louise Fletcher as Belle de Longpre, who is uh, Cheryl and Fenn's character's grandmother. Um, and uh, we've got Martin Hewitt. I'm not too sure he went on too much. N- Nice-looking guy, but not too much about him, uh, playing Chad Douglas, her fiancé. Uh, Louise Fletcher is 86 years old. By the way, so keep going, Louise. And oh, it's Sean Connery's birthday yesterday, and he's ninety. Yeah, when you hear something like that, you start to get nervous. You're like, oh. Um, yeah, anytime but- <laughs> I see his name trending, I'm like, this is it. Yeah, like him, Gene Hackman. There are a couple of guys who are getting up there. Like, it's, it's yeah, any day, any day like, now. Oh. We know it's going to happen. Well, quick, yeah. pervy question because I saw this as a, a, a note on IMDb, but they said the title may be a pun given the erotic nature of the film. This two moon junction is it? Is it a double entendre? Probably, <laughs> probably. And look, there's a lot of people that will watch this movie and say, "Look, it's just kind of trashy and all that." But as you know, it's it's got good actors in it. I think it's. I've always found this movie incredibly sexy. Although, the 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 crying after sex, it's like, oh, April, sort yourself out. Every time she has sex, she cries after sex. That that'd be a depressing person to be married to. I would think that every time. Well, what I like, like about so it. So what? It wasn't good, or what? <laughs> it gets into kind of the whole like virgin whore thing that a lot of Southern girls do, where it's like they dress in white and wear the summer dresses and the hats, and it's all about you know I'm the innocent Southern belle. But what they really want is to bone the the guy with the long hair who works at the local carnival or you know, <laughs> traveling fair. Oh, or and whatever. he's he's hot. He's hot in this, and of course he went on to work with the Farrelly brothers quite a lot as well um and we, again a really good score by uh, jonathan elias um and you know one of the things that I've, i always wanted cheryl and fenn's nose when i was when in the 80s you know like well, i was gonna say you know as a girl no you don't know as a girl but as a girl you know you look at people and you think oh because i always wanted cheryl and fenn's nose kathleen turner's voice and legs renee russo's hair and jamie lee curtis's boobies and stomach you're making me you're making me fidget <laughs> Um, but uh, it, it's it's really well filmed. Uh, it's very atmospheric, I would say. I wish I'd seen it though. At Twelve, though, like I was twelve when it came out. It's criminal that I somehow didn't discover this like on late night Skinamax or anything like that because I would have been. It would have helped me uh, jumpstart my puberty. I don't think I saw the the big scene until like my maybe my mid twenties. I saw it on MrSkin.com, which is I, I, have, I bought a lifelong subscription to that site. I can't say enough positive things about it. But what I love is how before the big sex scene, which I never saw because I only would see like the nude part, if you actually see the movie in its entirety, before the big scene begins, she starts telling all these stories about how she and her cousins used to strip down and touch each other all over in the room. I was like, oh my God, like this is doing the yeah. whole like Southern like kissing cousins thing. And uh, yeah. But, that, I, but I love especially like when she, she, she blindfolds herself like she's buck naked right buck naked that's when you go oh she's not a natural blonde um so yeah, the and she's spinning do around not match the drapes 
nope. And she's spinning around and blindfolded, and he grabs her, and 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 that's and that's when he takes the blindfold off her, and he's wearing this white t-shirt, and and he says something, and she goes, "What cousins?" And then she just tears his. And again, we get saxophone. Whoop whoop. Love a bit of saxophone. <laughs> uh, and and it's just that you know, even when he's in the motel. Another sexy scene in this is when her and Christy McNichol are dancing just together on on the dance floor, and he's got the glasses on. He's playing pool, uh, and you get that great song, uh, "Strange." Da, da, da. Um, so there's many, many sexy scenes in the, and I like the ending as well. You know, uh, with a lot of movies that have got a lot of either sex, drugs, or prostitution, or porn. There always has to be an unhappy ending because you've got to pay for Everybody's your sins. Be punished for having the roll in the hay. Yeah, correct. That's it. especially American movies. Uh, not so much European movies, but certainly American movies. You've got to pay for your sins. Uh, but with this, it's great because uh, it, you think she's going to run off with the Perry character, but she she does the smart thing, as told by her grandmother Belle. She's like, you know, you've got to marry Chad. He's got the money. He's got the influence. And turns out at the end she does marry Chad, but she continues to have an affair with Perry. And that's the end of the movie. And, yeah. and I'm like, yay! <laughs> so, yeah, again, uh, there, there is that famous scene, but there's a lot of very, very, very hot, sexy scenes in this movie. And Sherilyn Fenn, again, just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Top of the heap. Well, let's go to a movie that's slightly more chaste, but easily one of the sexiest movies of the late 80s. And I think this movie, I mean, this is a justifiable smash hit when it came out. But uh, Jacob uh, Rivera and I already tackled it on a Ron Shelton episode, but we got Bull Durham from 1988, where we got another appearance by Susan Sarandon. And this is a great example where a movie can be sexy as hell, but relatively light on sex and nudity. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, this this is uh, look. I, I know a lot of people consider this to be one of the the great better uh, baseball movies. It certainly is a sports movie. Uh, director Ron Shelton uh, directed it. Got Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, Tim Robbins. This is when Susan actually met Tim Robbins, and the two of them started to have an affair. But I like the fact that uh, Tim Robbins plays uh, Ebby Calvin Newt Lelouch, and he's she always hooks up with one player per season. Uh, and she hooks up with him because I like Kevin Costner's like, you know, I don't, I don't play this way. I don't, I don't do this sort of thing. Yeah, I'm not so going to compete she, with little boys. Yeah, that's it. And Susan Sarandon is experienced, I think we could say. Uh, but she also likes Tim, to educate these baseball players, like reading them poetry. Yeah. And like she'll tie them up all night. And Tim Robbins is like, are, are we going to get to like the sex part at any point? <laughs> And I love the way her friend uh, describes the, her sexual encounter with Tim Robbins. Like, well, he kind of fucks the way he pitches. He's kind of like, uh, kind of all over the place. All but. over the place. Yeah, that's it. And 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 she she takes it upon herself. And I know that uh, I have had feedback when we, we've podcasted this film as well. And certainly, my partner Colonel Kickhead, he he doesn't like the movie because of her character. He finds her incredibly annoying. Uh, and there, I think there would be a lot of men that would find her character annoying. Um, with with the whole, you know, the Zhao and the Ding Dang and the Buddhist and all, you know what I mean, all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's basically just fumbly sex between Annie and Ebby and, and then when she asks him to put on the, the garter belt. Uh, and the other thing is Kevin Costner is so cool in this movie. He's so sexy in this movie. He's so athletic. It, he really sells you on oh. the idea that he's a minor league baseball player. Like, you believe it. That's it. Well, I mean, he made uh, Field of Dreams as well, uh, and I think another baseball movie. So he, could, so he could play baseball, 
Uh, he's, he's a very athletic guy, but it, it really ramps up when she finally hooks, when Annie Savoy hooks up with Crash Davis. That's when it really ramps up, like when they're sitting in the kitchen <clears throat> eating breakfast and she's like, God, you're a sexy man or God, you're good looking or something like that. And he just throws the the cereal bowl away, and he just grabs her. And again, messy yeah, they, people. Yeah, they, they make up clear for lost the table time. first. Like, they've had all this uh, <laughs> sexual tension. When they finally succumb to desire, they just like basically they don't come up for air for for days. But you know, he's painting her toenails, and they're they're getting it on the bathtub in the and, bath. Yep. But there's a funny. And little who, who lit where, all the candles? Oh, the, I love movies. Yeah, they, they, they make a lot of effort <laughs> on the candles. But there's a note that he passes her at one point where Cash writes a, no, a note to Annie that says, uh, "I want to make love to you." But if you actually like, if you look uh, closely you can see it says let's fuck sometime <laughs> but they toned it down uh, glad the kid didn't read it <laughs> yeah but my old boss mike metavoy from phoenix pictures apparently was responsible for hiring susan sarandon and she was in her early 40s when she was auditioning for this and she knew she had to sell him on the idea of just how sexy she could be so she says she didn't go in there with a t-shirt and jeans she wore an off-the-shoulder red and white striped dress it was very form-fitting form-fitting she knew what she had to do and she basically was letting like her boobs like ooze out on his desk but yeah Mike Metavoy he got the idea that irrespective of the fact that by Hollywood standards she was probably starting to get a little older but she was still in her in her sexual prime and uh, look I think it, it works as well because you've got the younger girl you got Millie who's basically a slut she's like slept with it and she ends up with the real religious ball player which is great yeah <laughs> um but but I think and again it's like uh, if we can go over to uh like Dances with Wolves uh, again, Kevin Costner in that, and the studio wanted him f- for the female role in that movie uh, to to get a much younger, pretty woman. And he said, "No, it has to be a woman that's got life on her face." You know, so he was never unlike Tom Cruise. He's, Kevin Costner was never vain about the women he was cast with, and even Field of Dreams and Amy, I can't remember her name, but. Um, again, not standardly by Hollywood versions, beautiful, but realistic, you know, a, a realistic relationship with realistic looking women. And I think credit to Kevin Costner. I, I know he was an absolute pain in the ass on Waterworld. Supposedly he was absolutely unbearable. I think that was when he was at the height of his fame and I think it had all gone to his head. But I still, he still looks great now. I think uh, I'd certainly still do him. Um, and, and, and again, as I said, it's, this movie's not there's sexual feelings all the way through the movie but it's right at that end as i said when the two of them get together and it just yeah yeah, it's Bam. an incredibly romantic movie. It's an incredibly steamy mm. movie, and it just shows, yeah, you can have a movie boiling over with sexual tension, even if you're relatively discreet in the in the in the details. But the next movie on our list isn't discreet at all. I've always known I was born to dominate your sex and avenge my own. Is there anything I could do to help? Come back when you've succeeded with Madame de Torvel. Yes. And I will offer you a reward. My love. I have this appalling reputation. Yes, I have been warned about you. What is true of most men is doubly so of him. Love what you, you promised yes, not to of speak of it. Yes, I understand, but I must know. I can't. I want the excitement of watching her betray everything that's most important to her. I love you so much. 
You may genuinely be unaware of this, but I can see quite plainly that you're in love with this woman. No, not at all. suppose we only feel compelled to chase the ones who run away immaturity one time yep day drinking i don't think colonel will be getting any dinner tonight (laughs) (laughs) ordering a pizza (laughs) actually we got kfc last night we've got heaps left over so we can have that (laughs) very nice all right, yeah. well, this next movie on the list is a very special movie to me. I think not only is it one of the most entertaining movies that I've ever seen, it's one of the, like, the cruelest and mean, meanest movies I've ever seen, but it's an incredibly sexy movie. It's a period piece that shows that no matter how, even if you're doing a powdered wig movie and a costume <laughs> drama, you can go as dark as you like. And the first time I saw this movie, I was with a couple who had a very strange sex life, but we all took LSD. We wandered around UVA, tripping balls, and when we came again, like, we didn't feel like going to sleep yet, and we're like, let's watch Dangerous Liaisons, and I had never seen it. Yes. And I was coming down, and we started smoking pot, and so we, I was just, I was f- flying like a kite, but my, this couple, they were getting turned on by all the, the evil parts, and anytime things would get unnecessarily cruel, they would start groping and massaging and fondling each other. So <laughs> my first exposure to this movie was really intense, but I watched it again the other day, and I can't remember the last time I laughed so hard, so maybe I've just become a total scumbag. But Dangerous Liaisons, 1988, I'm going to turn you loose because uh, yeah, it's just uh, – I can't say enough positive things about this movie. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, directed by the wonderful Stephen Frears. We have literally just podcasted this movie last week. Uh, it was such fun to do. 1988, Glenn Close as the Marquis Isabel Madoy, John Malkovich. Again, not a standardly good-looking guy, but damn, he's sexy in this movie. Uh, as yeah, that's my favorite role Michelle we ever played. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. He can you believe he wasn't even nominated for either best supporting or best actor that yeah, year? I mean, give him all the Oscars for this movie. I mean, oh. yeah, it's it's a very special movie. And oh, also I should warn people that who are listening, we just poured our first drink for the podcast. I poured a little <laughs> Singamalt and uh, Gidget poured a little wine, so we might be yep. even more unfiltered. Moving Saucier, Ab- absolutely. <laughs> It, it is it, without a doubt that's going to happen. Yumeth uh, Ehrman as well as Cecile. Uh, again, great boobs. Great Yumeth. We don't see Michelle's, but we see Yumeth Ehrman's bosoms. And well, they she's are superb. got like those nineteen-year-old round, perky, gravity-defying boobies, and it's like it's a brief shining moment where you're not a girl, you're not a woman. It's just somewhere in between, and the, the dress comes off, and you're like, oh my. Fucking God, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a yeah. special I moment. Like, I like a full bosom, like Jamie Lee Curtis, a full bosom, whereas someone like uh, in No Way Out, Sean Young, uh, we, we, we see her topless for a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah, hmm, not so much. I, I like a nice big full round bosom. It's going to sound weird coming from a girl, and I'm straight as well. Well, well most of my life I have been. <laughs> even the gayest man alive can appreciate the female form. And it's, Absolutely. it's why it's fascinated artists and storytellers and filmmakers since the dawn of history. And I think it will continue to do so until the world is reduced to ash. Uma Thurman at this age. I mean, she I think she'd had a br- uh, brief scene of nudity in Adventures of Baron Munchausen. But she will come up again as well later on yep. this episode. But when it comes to... I guess really getting into the weeds on like the dark side of human beings and how they like to manipulate and destroy each other. I can't think of a better movie. And like this, is a, the book's hundreds of years old, 
I was reading somewhere that it had to be smuggled into the UK with like a, a different cover in 1782. No, no, that was actually, that was Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette, oh, who was Queen gotcha. of France yeah, at so, the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so scandalous, the book, uh, that she, it had to be put in a plain cover so that you couldn't see the title of the book and you couldn't see the author of the book because she wanted it for her private library. So that's how scandalous it was back then. And this is still a scandalous movie, as you said, like the, the, the viciousness in, in, and the cruelty in it. But there's funny parts in it as well. Yeah, no, uh, I, there's, I, I there's, laugh like a maniac throughout the majority yeah. of it while, while I'm watching yeah. it. I just, just everyone plays their role so beautifully. And Glenn Close, like when she comes in and, and Cecile's having the music lesson, Keanu Reeves in it as well for people that haven't seen it. Um, and she comes in and Cecile's having the music lesson and, and Cecile can't sing and she's doing the, ah, like that. And just Glenn Close's face when she rolls her eyes, it's just no. wonderful. Performance and, of a and, lifetime, without a doubt. Uh, and now I know that Jodie Foster won that year for The Accused. Uh Personally, I would have given it to Glenn, and Glenn yeah. still hasn't won an Oscar, by the way, <laughs> which is appalling. This is a this is a movie and a performance that people will be talking about for a very very long time, and I don't think I've ever seen a movie that's so like explicitly devoted just to, like to sex, money, evil, destruction, but in the most delicious, delightful way possible. And just there's so many lines that you can just tell the actors are just purring with pleasure while they say it, but they're talking about yes. how like a. Um, like uh, when Malkovich says, well, I have no intention of breaking down her prejudices. I want her to believe in God and virtue and the sanctity of marriage and still not be able to stop herself. I want the excitement yeah. of watching her betray everything that is most important to her. Surely you understand that. I thought betrayal was your favorite word. She says, no, no cruelty. cruelty. I always thought it had a nobler <laughs> ring to it. <laughs> That's it. And even just the, you know, he's, again, he's a, a known cad. Uh, through, this is based in pre-revolution Paris, by the way. And again, we've got board aristocrats, basically. Um, and, you know, when she first says, you know, because her lover betrayed her, she's like, I want you to seduce Cecile. And he's like, she's out of a convent. That's that's no challenge for me. You know, she'll be on her back before, before you know, breakfast. Yeah, he's concerned about his reputation. He has a reputation, like all the... I guess the villainous qualities of uh, womanizers, it, for him it's all double, and he's very proud of his reputation. And when they're talking about, um, when he's basically boasting and bragging to Glenn Close about one of his most recent takedowns, and she doesn't seem particularly impressed, she says, oh, one doesn't applaud the tenor for clearing his throat. Clearing his throat, yeah. I love I mean, she that. Is so unimpressed that he managed to uh, seduce young Uma Thurman. I, lo- I love that, and and her pu- her acting, when she starts to realise, because she, she loves Valmont, and and Valmont loves her. Well, I don't know whether Valmont loves her. He certainly wants to have sex with her again. Yeah, but, but they're she obsessed with genuinely, each other. Yeah. yeah, and they they were previous lovers, we should say as well. But when she starts to realise that Valmont is actually falling for Madame Devel, and they're at that the, the the chamber concert, and they're sitting there, and she's like, "Where is she?" And then finally, Michelle Pfeiffer's character comes in and sits down, and she sees the way Valmont looks at her, and Glenn Close's very subtle facial movement as she turns around you can see she's like curious and then she turns her face like mm. you, you see it, she doesn't even have to say a word yeah, and that's how good her performance acting. is yeah she oh. communicates volumes with just like the slightest little expression or like the curl of her lip or like a sneer yeah. it's, it's just astonishing and people always forget just how fucking fun evil characters are <laughs> this is a oh, movie yes. with two stars yes they are evil to the core with almost no redeeming qualities of any kind and it's just delightful watching them plucking the wings off flies the entire movie absolutely and this is one of those movies where they did 
have to pay for it because we won't spoil it. But you know, every, basically, yeah, they had to. And of course, it was remade as well in a modern version with Cruel Intentions yep. as well. And uh, it was which, like the same book was adapted by uh, Milos Forman as uh, Valmont, which came out the following Valmont. year. But uh, it was yeah. a race to get to the to the screen, and Valmont lost that race and lost in terms of box office. But Dangerous Liaisons had been a bit hit, big hit play. Alan Rickman had actually played the original. Uh, Malkovich role, which apparently was, he was a you know, very popular in that role, but I, yep. I can't not think of Malkovich with this role. And there's just so many astonishing scenes, like when um, <laughs> Glenn Close is telling Uma Thurman, basically is giving her some tough love about having uh, after she's been deflowered, and she's like, "Are you saying I have to do that with three that different again? men?" She's <laughs> like, "I'm saying, you stupid little girl, that provided you take a few elementary precautions, you can do it or not as often as you like with as many different men as you like in as many different ways as you like. And like you'll find the shame. And she embraces like that pretty quickly. <laughs> you only feel it once. I mean, it's just uh, the the dialogue is a thing of beauty." If you like dark, evil comedy. This this was interesting because when we were doing the podcast and I, I asked Angry Man and I said, who out of the entire cast has won an Oscar? And he was like, is it Mich- Michelle or is it? And and I said, no, it's actually Peter Cabaldi. Oh, Peter Cabaldi right. yeah, is Peter Cabaldi, the yeah. only. And he, yeah, I love the, how all the, the accents servant. are all over the place. He's a Scot. Yeah. And you got all these Americans and you have some French, but it's just one of those movies where like, you know what? It doesn't matter. We're just going to get great actors. They're not going to do any accents. But they're French. <laughs> that's it. That's it. All, all the main roles were American yeah. in this movie, and and also no, uh, there, there was a score done, but there was also a lot of um, uh, classical music used in this as well. But none by any French artists. Interesting. So, even though it was based in France, it's not much French well, it about it. Like but Amadeus, it's just lavish. It's like you just hire whoever to play like the parts, and it just it, it works. And I think one of the sexiest behind-the-scenes picks of any movie I've ever seen is this great bit on uh, I, I can't remember where I found the picture, but John Malkovich is lying like on the uh, the banister of a stairwell, and he's holding a cigarette, and Uma Thurman's holding his hand and pulling the cigarette up to her lips, and she's dressed in yes. full period costume but wearing shades. And I was like, oh my. god. God, I mean, oh, I love, I love that. I love yeah, it makes always you squirm looking when you see it. Yeah, well, I, I love when we do the movies, and I always look up. I always type into Google Images the movie behind the scene photos because I just get a, such a kick out of, you know, you get so involved in the movie, and then to see them in that situation, like with Yuma in the costume but wearing, you know, Ray Bans, you're just like, it's just delicious. But that's how I describe this movie. It is deliciously wicked. Yeah, and and if it's you just, haven't it's seen sadly, it, sadly, they're almost. No wicked movies ever being made, really. It's a, it's a, it's a, no. one, like a once a decade thing. One will come along, and I guess that's what makes them so special. I think people are more worried about doing. I mean, Game of Thrones certainly had certainly uh, certainly had some yeah wicked TV. characters and characters Ooh, yeah. who are unrepentantly wicked. But it just goes to show. I think I think the general public want those characters. We want we want to see them. It's it's fun to hate somebody in a movie. Uh, and and be torn and be torn with it as well. Like uh, you know, as you mentioned, Alan Rickman. Of course, he went on to do that do that little film for his first Hollywood movie, Die Hard. I don't know whether you've heard about that one, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, again, his Hans Gruber character is evil and wicked. But God damn, you like him. Yeah, he steals the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't help but like him. But I could have seen him play this role, but John Malkovich just made it his made it his own. And again, an absolute travesty that he was not up for an Oscar for this role. Yeah, and Stephen Frears out Oscars. super underrated as a director. He's I think it's because he doesn't. <gasps> yes, he's all over the place in terms of what topics he tackles. But every once in a while, he'll make one like, 
oh, you're really good at doing what you do. So, yeah, I'm a Stephen Frears fan. Yeah, same, same. Love it. All right, yep. well, next up on deck, we have another movie that I had never seen prior to this episode, but it is, become, it is rocketing to the top. One of my favorites <laughs> because it has some of the most delightful, libidinous, hedonistic scenes I've ever seen. We've got Scandal from 1989. Yay! And some of the best sex parties ever caught on film, not because of how revealing they are, but they, just how authentic they feel. It's just like this movie just feels... It feels real in so many ways, but it's about a real scandal. Late 50s, early 60s, so many incredible performers in there. But once again, we got great John Hurt. But for people who have not heard of Scandal, I had to buy this on DVD to even find it. What is happening here? All together now, you've never had it so good! In 1961, two teenage girls teamed up for a night on the town. Christine Keeler was 18 years old. Mandy Rice Davis was 16. Together they were to discover that in an age of innocence, sex was the most powerful weapon of all. Three years after their first meeting, they brought down the British government. This is their story. It's true, and it's a scandal. One man was the key to the events that followed. His name was Stephen Ward. Christine, my darling. When you're as beautiful as you are, you don't have to say a thing. Just wet your lips and look willing. I could do wonders with you, little baby. Could shock the world. Dr. Ward is the son of a vicar. He's a connoisseur of sin. If you know he's an MP, asked as a lord, Ward's just a... Jumped up little punts from Torquay. You don't understand. I love Stephen. He's the only man I've ever loved. Got you. If what this tart has just told me is true, then we are sitting on dynamite. I've never made love until you've made love in a gondola. Did he give you money, Christine? Who? Profumo. Did he pay you? I'm not a prostitute. She must be stopped. I'm what you made me. Let me give you the headline. She's talking to everyone. You pull the strings. The war minister. The model. And the Russian spy. Are you aware that Lord Astor denies any impropriety in his acquaintanceship with you? Well, he would, wouldn't he? <laughs> okay, so as you said, this is London, 1959. This is was a tr- again, like white mischief. And the British do these really well. Credit to they do them really, really well. Uh, it was basically uh, it's a it's a it's a fictionalised account of the whole Profumo affair that it, it basically rocked the entire government of the British Prime Minister of Harold Macmillan at the time. Uh, directed by uh, Michael Caton Jones, uh, Stephen Frears was actually considered to direct this. He'd so been an excellent choice. Yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, as you said, John Hurt loved John Hurt as an actor. R.I.P. Because he plays Stephen Ward. We have got Joanne Whaley, who plays Christine Keeler. Of course, she was in Willow. That's where she met Val Kilmer, and they were married at the time while she was filming this. Uh, Bridget Fonda as Mandy Rice Davies, Ian McKellen as John Profumo, and we've got Britt Eklund as well as Mariella Natolvi. Uh, it actually went from an X rating to an R rating in the USA. But, uh, again, this is a, a true... Oh, it's Joanne Whaley's 
birthday today as well. She's fifty nine. So apparently, happy birthday! During the scene that where the that nearly earned it the X rating, if you look closely. Two of the extras apparently are actually fucking. <laughs> yes. Like, you're in the yeah. background. You're barely in focus. I, I guess they're just sort of, they were method actors. They really wanted to get into the swing of things. Absolutely. And like every time we see Brett Eklund, and she must have been in her 50s, I think, at, at the time. But still She's game. always naked. Yeah, like, she's like totally in, game, though. Yeah, absolutely. She's, she's in, you know, Stephen Ward's um, office because he was a, a, a back doctor, uh, and he takes on uh, Christine Keeler. He never had sex with Christine Keeler, but he basically uses her, his little baby, he always calls her, which I always found, found quite weird, but uh, my little baby, and, and he, I, I wouldn't say prostitutes her, he utilises her, and she ends up having an affair with the Minister for War, who's John Profumo, and she also has an affair with Eugene Ivanov. Played yeah, by the very like, sexy Jerome Crab territory, where it's like, well, if you occasionally help someone out with their bills, or occasionally pay rent, or help out their mother, or whatever the case might be, you're taking them under your wing. But in the, like, you know, they're having sex with your friends for your political gain. But it's like it's not like you're a professional, but it's like a friend with some serious financial benefits, and it yeah. gets into very. Uh, new territory, Dodgy. which was yeah. quite scandalous for the British yeah. gossip rags and that sort of thing. But I, it captures that world so well. And one of my favorite moments by far is there's this very sophisticated dinner party taking place. And in the middle of the counter uh, or the table, there's this giant either ice or glass uh, erection. And everybody's kind of laughing about talking about it. And everybody's having these kind of frank conversations. And the host, hostess of the party disappears to put the kids to bed. I mean, she returns. She's wearing just like a, wearing like a hula skirt, and she's topless. And she says, "All hands on deck!" And everybody just like leaps up like they're going into battle. <laughs> and of course, the girl turns to John Hurt with like shock and horror in her face, and he tells her to wet her lips. And she's excited and curious all at once. And they all just stampede into this room for an orgy that we don't see, but it no. just it felt you know so real, and it felt just yeah. so erotic. And I, and I like when actually um, Christine and Mandy are at that that orgy party, and there's people having sex everywhere. And they're the and it's there's the guy, the old bloke, walking around going, "If I displease you, spank me or whatever." Um, kinky, kinky, kinky. Um, and but they're the only two that are dressed, so they're just sitting there. And it, and it just completely reminded me of an experience that an old boss I used to work for. He was really into that sort of stuff, and. He invited me to like to one of those S and M sort of you know bondage and discipline clubs in Sydney, and I wasn't game enough to just go with him. So I dragged my best friend along, and it was basically I could see that was her and me at this club. Everyone else was naked or in leather or kinky stuff, and we refused to take our clothes. So we were the only people at this club. You were the squares. Not taking our clothes off. Yeah. yeah, we were the squares. Although the guy that was coming around sucking. Sucking women's toes. I was like, yeah, sure, go for it. <laughs> well, she's off immediately. Fonda I went. <laughs> whips his dick with a rose for serving her a yeah. warm drink. And he's like, thank you. <laughs> he, he's very appreciative. And, and we got the great, you know, they were showgirls. And, uh, you know, we've got, it's, as you said, it's very, very realistic. Uh, the, guy, the guy singing's a great singer and he's singing those corny old songs and running the girls bear, are doing the yeah. sh- running bear and everything and they're coming out doing the cha-cha and the dancing uh you, and you do see a lot of boobies 
if you like boobies, you see a lot of them in this movie. Yeah, um, Bridget Fonda's very I, young at this point and just looking mm. absolutely fabulous. And of course, she and the star are initially kind of rivals and they, you know, hiding each other's wardrobe, trying to sabotage each other, but then they become these fierce allies and almost like gunslingers going off to war. There's this great scene where the tune uh, Apache by the Shadows says this killer guitar music and you see them going into almost like not hooker mode, but there's a, they're going into action mode, like putting on their like their sexiest outfits and their their lipstick and everything, and it's just it's incredible. Like they never do anything that they don't want to. There's no real harm in it, but they're mm-hmm. in a very slippery ethical territory that a lot of people will frown upon. But it, I, I love the portrayal of this network of friends and relationships, and it reminded me quite a bit of White Mischief. That's it, and you get a really good court case in this as well. Like at the end of it, and and you know, a lot of people uh, said at the time it was a travesty of injustice what happened because, as you said, it is a fine line, and should he have been put and she was put in prison as well he was put in prison and she was put in prison and should they have been put in prison no probably not i don't think so no one was being harmed uh it was as you said the girls weren't forced to do anything with anyone they didn't want to do or be although i love that one scene where um christine's having sex with profumo and of course being an old man an old boring politician you know he's just standard the old vanilla sex and she's actually yawning while yeah. he's having sex with her. <laughs> She's like checking her watch, like thinking of her yeah. what errand she needs to run and that sort of thing. All right, well, so true or false, I, I, read, I read conflicting information about this. Apparently, Joanne Whaley, uh, her husband Val Kilmer, objected to her doing this stupendous nude scene and the Harvey Weinstein oh, around the pool. hired a body yeah. double. But apparently when, uh, she, when Joanne arrived on set, she didn't like how the body double looked, so she ended up doing the scene herself. D- can you confirm or deny who actually does that fabulous scene? That is her. That is her beautiful body with the round, round bottom. And wouldn't why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you get that if you have that body? Show why it wouldn't off, you yeah. get naked Flying and run baby. around the pool? Yeah, you're not going to look yeah. like this forever. Capture it on that's film. It. I, mean, I noticed how. Um, what's the name of the actress in Private School who does the great horseback ride? Betsy, topless? Betsy something. Yeah, um, Betsy Russell maybe. But she said, yeah. "I'm never going to look like this ever again." Like, let's let's capture it on film. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. that's it. This, I mean, there's there's supposedly some um, document. I know Diane Franklin was promoting it on Twitter. So some documentary coming out very soon. Uh, called I think it came out last Naked. week. Naked. Yeah, yeah, Last yeah. week, yeah, Naked. I haven't watched it yet, but and 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 it worries me a bit because I have a feeling now, especially with the environment that we're in now, that they they're all going to have to feel that they need to justify it. But my theory is, if you look like this, utilize it, as you said, as Betsy said, I'm not going to look like this forever. Yeah, the, the tone of the drop. movie's all over the place, <laughs> and you can kind of tell that the movie started with one tone, where they're saying just trying to have fun. And then they tried mm. to develop a high moral tone toward the end with the Me Too movement and tacked on a new beginning. And it makes the movie kind of feel like it doesn't quite know what it's trying to say about sex and nudity. And I guess it, yes. it offers a, a variety of points of view. I was hoping to see a documentary that was more of like a turn on. And it's, it's, I basically was trying to, I was hoping for a documentary that's in the spirit of the episode that we're doing right now, where we're basically yeah. just celebrating all the hot. That's what worries hot, me. Hot yeah. moments. So uh, the movie yeah. didn't do much for me, but at least it's a, a record of all those great scenes. So hopefully it'll encourage people to hunt down all those classic movies. Do they show them? Do they actually show oh, yeah, the yeah, scenes? Yeah. If you want to see the clips, oh, cool. the, yeah, the, going all the way back to like Hedy Lamar and Ecstasy, and yeah, it, it goes, it does a deep dive going back to like, the 20s and 30s great great because yeah they, believe it or not if people don't know their, their movie history nudity was quite a regular thing way way back before like someone like the william william hayes code came in or whatever his name was uh, i always called I mean, them killjoys captain yeah, any, killjoy anytime a new technology comes along of any kind 
it takes about 10 seconds before people start fucking on it. So it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, exactly. The That's it. Yeah, they're, they're, they're in the killjoys. It's like if you don't want to watch these sort of things, just don't fucking watch them. Exactly. You and know, like, but let, what, But why tell us what we can and can't watch? Yeah, it's, miserable it people are only truly yeah. happy when they're sharing their misery with others. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And they can all go into the toilet as far exactly. as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you enjoyed Scandal because, again, it's a true oh, it story. Rocked. It's great. Yep. 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 All right. Well, moving on to 1989, we got Al Pacino's comeback, Sea of Love, starring the lovely Ellen Barkin, who's just yes. looking stupendous in this. And this is, I think, people kind of sleep on this movie. It's one of the really cool, very entertaining, very watchable Al Pacino movies. And this, I think this is, this movie has got like dry humping on the brain. I've never seen a movie with more dry humping. You got Michael Rooker dry humping people. You got Ellen Barkin dry humping out with you. Everybody's humping each other from behind. I'm like, all right. Like, you know, I'm interested. But, it just, but I've never seen so much humping. You sent, you sent me uh, on in DM on Twitter a certain photo from this, which I had never picked up before, regarding the sex scene between Ellen Barkin when she's naked and she's got Al Pacino against the wall. And I was like, yeah, I missed that one. Yeah, but, uh, if you want to see the full enchilada, Mr. Skin <laughs> has got a freeze frame where she's dry humping Al Pacino from behind, totally naked, and she raises one leg. And so they zoom in, and then they lighting they lighten the like the focus or light it like they lighten the image, and so you can see all of her bits and pieces in their full naked glory. And yeah, it's, it's basically a, a Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct bit moment. So there you go. That's how we'll describe it. But yeah, this is directed by Harold Becker, and uh, you. You know, he directed uh, The Onion Field, um, Malice, Mercury Rising, Taps in 1981. Malice has a lot of uh, really sexy scenes with uh, Nicole Kidman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, Al Pacino's uh, Frank, Detective Frank Weller. And he'd, he'd actually had a four-year hiatus from acting before this because he'd been in a movie called Revolution and it just flopped a giant flop. at the box office. Yeah. yeah, and Bill Murray did a similar thing, I think, when he did that dramatic movie before... Uh, uh, before he did Scrooge, I think he was so let down by how well that movie he did. Uh, he he took a break. He, I think he went out, went to Europe or something and took a break. And Al Pacino pretty much did the same thing as well. Uh, Ellen Barkin, we've got wonderful John Goodman as Detective Sherman Tui. I love John Goodman. I love him in everything. I love him in Sweet Dreams. Yeah, he's got so many great lines in this, like, bullshit, what are you going to do, like, send your dick to the lab? Like, like they're basically yeah. trying to find somebody <laughs> using, like... Da- dating, dating, yeah, yeah. Da- dating ads in newspapers that's going like on a like a serial killer rampage, and so they're using Al Pacino to try to lure the killer out of hiding. There's so many great frank conversations. I think what's lost in a lot of movies today is how much fun it is when you have tough talking adults speaking very frankly. And there's this one girl who sits down in front of Al Pacino. She's like, "You're a cop. If you're a printer like you say you are, like, then I've got a dick." Like I was like, "Nice, yeah. like, this is a saucy lady." But I miss dirt, dirty language in Hollywood movies. Yeah, that's it. And and even bits like I mean, this is basically a serial killer movie uh, with some sexy scenes in it. But mm-hmm. the sexy scenes are very sexy. And I know Ellen Barkin again, another one that came out and said, "You know, look, I, I felt very nervous and and embarrassed on the scene but she said the one thing she couldn't complain about was Al Pacino supposedly he took her hand and and guided her through 
this the whole time. And and even though he's he's quite rough around the edges again, he's he's very sexy in this movie. And that whole scene in the supermarket where he's so hot. Oh, it's so it's hot. It's like an eight, like a like a nine and a half weeks scene where they're doing a little role playing yes. where they meet out in public and they're playing roles and they're basically indulging in inappropriate touching. And of course, we got more saxophone music. But I, I like that when couples, everybody, every once in a while, just needs to spice things up and creating a strange scenario that's kind of scary and dangerous for both people or, or potentially disastrous. It creates an exciting exciting tension, and so yeah, that scene is particularly good. Yeah, because she's she's just and and again she's an unusual looking lady, Ellen Barkin, but beautiful and most importantly, just sexy, just so damn sexy and a beautiful figure. And and the sex scenes are great. There's not a whole heap of them, but I love it. She's in jeans and she's stripping down and she's like get in bed like she, she, yeah. she's ready for action but of course he sees the gun and thinks she's about to kill him and he has a complete and total panic attack but I love that take charge moment where she's just she is ready for action and tells him exactly where she wants him to be well that's it's leading us down another path because if the first time you ever see this movie you don't figure it out because they do interview the Michael Rooker character uh, Terry Kruger who, who's her ex-husband they interview him at, at one point you're like okay but you do think it does lead you down that path that you're thinking she is the killer she is the one killing these men. And I love that scene where they go and interview that married man and he's like, oh, you know, I, I advertise but I'm never going to do it. And, of course, next thing you know he ends up dead because he just lied to them. Um, but, do you know, this is the only film Al Pacino made in the 80s. He was not nominated for a Razzie. Interesting. So for Isn't Scarface, it? he got nominated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just choked on scotch. <laughs> on uh, scotch. I malt go down the wrong pipe. <laughs> and when you have single malt go down the wrong wrong pipe. It is like liquid fire going into your lungs. Oh, my God. I must say, I like your voice right now. You might want to stick with that one. Very husky. It's appropriate <laughs> yeah, for baby. sweet love, without a doubt. It's like I'm doing my Al Pacino impersonation. Yeah, it, it, might, it might be stuck like this the rest of the episode until, I, until it clears. <laughs> my left eye just got like tears streaming out of it. Mm. All right, well, 1990. We're finally in the 90s, and we've got a very sexy thriller, Presumed Innocent, and we've got the great Greta Scacchi back in action with Harrison Ford. I had never seen this. I would known about it for, for decades, and I was thrilled to finally check it out, but it's a great, just kind of best-selling legal thriller with a really this- hot, hot scene with uh, just something about when I see a girl with great confidence and authority just rubbing and stroking a guy, even if it's over the pants, it just it gets a rise out of me. And uh, that that's a one that's one particular <laughs> moment that really got my attention. Well, this is the ultimate femme fatale using people to continue her career and to get her up. And and it's a a really really good like you said you'd never seen it before. Did it get you at the end there? Did you not? Did you pick it or not? Did you? Like, well, as I was, watching, were you like, oh, I was damn. watching it, I was looking up notes in IMDb trivia, and so I accidentally spoiled it for myself as I was oh, watching it. And so okay. sadly, I was not surprised. But killer mm. cast, Brian Dennehy is incredible, and I mean, I, I, Harris, Harrison off- Ford. Yeah, something about office sex, like office attire, office sex, and like people Ooh, yeah. in business celebrating a great victory, whether it's in the courtroom or in the boardroom, whatever the case might be. But there's just something great about a good old scandalous office romance where you go back to the go back to the office and just get it on after uh, a great victory. And so, yeah, I just I love women in like business attire having a sexy scene. Well, that's, I mean, this again, this is a movie. This is basically it's a mystery courtroom drama. This I would not classify it in like the top sexiest movies of all time. I've got it in the sexiest because again, Greta Skarki, 
big fan of her. Um, and just that that particularly one sex scene where, as you said, they've just won their case about the child abuse situation, um, and they go, she 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 ropes him. Well, not not he's he's got no problem. He's not like putting it off. Uh, he goes into the office. I mean, she's gorgeous, and you know he he they take he takes her on the table, and and she takes off that blouse and the skirt, and then. You know, he pulls a bra down and he's like sucking on her breasts, and and it's just her body is phenomenal, and she's got that beautiful tan. Um, yeah, I know she I'm is gushing, next level hot, but and also lit whoa. by Gordon Willis. Anytime you've got the Prince of Darkness from Godfather lighting you during a sex scene, you know you're going to get some interesting <laughs> results. <laughs> and and it and it was great casting because it turns out that she's pretty much slept with everybody to to get ahead, including Brian Dennehy and, and including the judge. <laughs> Cleveland Lil. Um, but we've got Ra- Raul Julia as well as Sandy Stern. He's, He's great incredible in incredible in this movie. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realise how much I miss him as a performer until I saw this yeah. movie. Yeah, great great actor. And and if you like courtroom dramas, you'll love this movie. If you like a good sex scene, you'll love this movie. Uh, and if you like a good mystery or intrigue, uh, we won't spoil it, but uh, definitely check this out. And if you, if you haven't, I'm, I'm so glad that there's some movies that I've brought to you that you've got to watch and that you've enjoyed them as well because that's always a worry. That's what <laughs> keeps the podcast fun when I make fresh discoveries. And it's one of those things where 1990, I was 14 years old, massive Harrison Ford fan. But for whatever reason, every time I'd go to the video store and I saw the cover, it didn't look like an adventure movie or a sci-fi movie or whatever. So just for whatever mm. reason, it didn't immediately jump out at me. But I, it's one of those movies that I'm kind of glad I saved it until now because I really did enjoy it. And I like screenwriter Frank Pearson quite a bit. You know, it's an Alan J. Pecula film. He did like um, uh, Parallax View and things like that. And so it's always cool rediscovering movies or discovering for the first time movies that have been on your radar for a long time and seeing they absolutely hold up decades later. I get such a, a thrill out of that. And I love when people write into our podcast and say, can you do this movie? And I'm like... I'll do it if I watch it because I've never seen it before. And and I do. I do check anything that anyone sends me regarding 80s or any any decade, I will I will check out. And, and you know, if, if you're not enjoying it in the first 15 minutes, you've always got that option that you can just turn it off. But this this one, and it got the music by John Williams as well for this, for this film. But it's just, it's a great, uh, sexy, and, and I like Harrison Ford when he can act weak because we see him as such a hero in... He's a flawed hero in Raiders of the Lost Ark and, of course, Han Solo in Star Wars and even as the president, you know, of the United States or, or the Clancy films. Um, but when, when he's doing something like this or, or when he's in What Lies Beneath or Mosquito Coast or Witness uh, or Frantic, that's another sexy movie. And I just didn't – I was so tempted to, like, do a list of, like, a 50. But I know we've got a certain amount of time to get through. But I didn't put Frantic in only because – it's it's a Roman Polanski also, movie. We're going to be covering the same actress in Bitter Moon, and, and and after we got one more movie before we get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but he doesn't have. I like it because he's he's a married man that goes to France, and his wife gets kidnapped, so he ends up hooking up um, with um, Emmanuel Signor. But there's never anything between the two of them. They just assist each other, and and a lot of older men might end up caving to her because she's a young, beautiful, very sexy woman, but. He doesn't, and and again, I, I people don't think of Harrison Ford as a diverse actor, and I think he really, really is. And again, in this movie, he shows his weakness for her. Like he actually acts pathetic at one point when he comes in. He says, "You, you never come and you never call me. You never have meeting. We're meant to be working on this case together." And she's like, "I'm sorry, Rusty. You know, I'm I'm busy. You know," and and he chases her down the stairs, and he's like, 
you know, we can't keep going like this. And she's like, you know what, it's over. And, and, she, and she drops him and it breaks his... And even after she's been killed and he's with his wife at home and, and they're talking about it, he breaks down. Even in front of his wife who knows he's had this affair, he can't help his emotions. So he shows a lot of weakness in this film and I think that's why I really like it. But, yeah, that sex scene between him and Greta, boy. <laughs> Next. The first film to receive the NC-17 rating is coming home on videocassette in its original, unedited version. From Philip Kaufman, the award-winning director of The Right Stuff and the Unbearable Lightness of Being, comes a movie the Boston Herald calls the most important film of the year. Fred Ward, Maria DiMaderios, and Uma Thurman star in a daring, widely acclaimed, erotic masterpiece, Henry and June. Brilliant and intoxicating, says the Dallas Morning News. It is a film to see more than once and remember for a very long time. Newsweek magazine calls it a very sexy, very erotic movie. A beautiful, captivating, and spectacularly uninhibited movie, says the Washington Post. KABC-TV gives Henry and June a 10. Sensually erotic and enormously engaging, says KNBC-TV. And WNCN Radio raves erotically charged, a trio of superb performances. And MCA Universal will heat up rentals of Henry and June with exciting P.O.P. Well, moving right along into one of the most notorious NC-17 movies ever made, a movie that's supposed to really justify the credibility of the NC-17 rating as a replacement for uh, the X rating, because obviously X was associated with porn, even though mm-hmm. it, like in the late 60s it had not been. But we have Henry and June, a Philip Kaufman film in 1990, one of the sexiest movies that I've ever seen. Not only is it sexy because of certain individual scenes, it's sexy because of the lifestyle it captures. People who sit around writing books, watching movies, going to whorehouses, having affairs. But it's like the <laughs> ultimate combination of lust and creativity. And it just it captures this early 30s era where Henry Miller's writing Tropical Cancer so so beautifully. You know, Maria de Medeiros in one, probably the best role of her career. I, yeah. I love this movie. I wouldn't say it's like a perfect movie, but just the world it depicts is just so inviting to me. And you've got my favorite French porn star of all time, Brigitte Lehay or Lay or however you say her name, who's still got it, like, you know, 15 years after her, like, the peak of her career, doing one of the most erotic, I guess, exhibition shows. Uh, girl for, on girl. Oh, yeah. it's just, a, but anyway, I, I'm rambling. What, the alcohol no. started to kick in. <laughs> what about <laughs> Ramble this away, buddy. Yeah, Ramble what, what, away. What about Look. this movie jumps out of you? All right. I, I will, out of all these movies that I sent you the list of, this is my number one. This is my number one for sexy film. This movie is just, again, it's another film that's based on a true story. Of course, it's, a, it's an American biographical drama um, directed by Philip Kaufman, who, of course, directed The Right Stuff, so a little bit different for him. It was yeah, based but on also the book. like the unbearable lightness of being and quills. Yeah. Like he definitely is unafraid of a, of <gasps> a Love quills. Yeah. I love quills. Oh, my God, you just reminded me that I need to watch that again. I love that movie. Uh, this, this was actually based on the book by Anayanin. Uh, and we've got Fred Ward. I love him as an actor. It's his birthday. Pure masculinity. A lot of today, I think, strength. or yesterday. 
Uh, Uma Thurman again. We've got her uh, playing June Miller. So she plays Henry Miller's wife. And, uh, she, of course, she was in Pulp Fiction and so was Maria, who plays an A&N. And, and uh, Maria was actually born in Lisbon in Portugal. We've got Richard E. Grant as Anae's husband, Hugo. He's a, he plays a, a bit of a fop, but also he's willing to... He loves her so much, he's willing to... Like watch live, live sex shows and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And Kevin Spacey's in this as, as Richard Osborne. Yeah. <laughs> Who's convinced that everybody's stealing all of his ideas. Stealing his stuff, yeah. <laughs> like, that's how I talk, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, but I love it. the depiction of Henry Miller here. And if people haven't read Tropic of Cancer, you got to read it. I mean, it's... He's one of those guys who really gets, like, the idea of, like, being a poet and a vulgarian all at once. And that's a, not a... It's a rare trait you find in writers where they can really go to the dark side and be just a true brute, but at the same time write with such beautiful turns of phrase that it just creates this stunning work of literature. But it's like the way he's portrayed in this, he's just pure masculinity, but he's like yeah. he openly weeps at movies and he's just he's got so much soul and he's like he's like very emotionally needy and you know, his uh his kind of tempestuous wife goes off back to America and so he ends up falling into this astonishing affair with Maria de Medeiros who becomes his muse and really mm. helps usher into being this this classic and she, novel. And she's a, she's a writer as well so they're reading each other's stuff but it's it's really it's the the sex that in the, in the, in this movie and and it's I love the character the main character is you know Maria's part of an A&N and and her a, her sexual awakening, she was a writer anyway, but she really, the minute she met the Millers, she didn't just fall for Henry, she fell for Uma Thurman's character of June as and well. And as you see the real contrast, when June comes back toward the end and she's kind of caught off guard by this metamorphosis that Maria de Medeiros has gone through in the in the interim, suddenly Maria de Medeiros is the sexual kind of, uh, I guess she's the pursuer as opposed to the innocent pursuee. And she's really getting after it toward the end. Like, oh, let go, like stop holding back. And the the way she's rubbing her body against her with that kind of purple negligee and you see all those muscles in her shoulder and back. It's one of the sexiest things I've ever seen. Oh, it's just, it's so, and and I like, because at the very beginning, it's actually, um, an A&N is in awe of June. But, you know, as you said, the minute she started to have the affair with Henry when June was back in America and June comes back, June actually says to Anae, she said, I'm intimidated by you. And yet you've got Uma, who's like six foot seven or something. <laughs> Not really. She's, I think she's about 5'11", five, five, six foot or something. Uh, and you've got little Maria, who's probably lucky to be 5'1", five, 5'2", five, tiny little thing with the beautiful little eyes and yeah. a very unique... She's, she's a little pocket rocket, but she, she oh, yeah. has a very commanding presence by the end of the film. And yeah, she just... I think she's a, an underappreciated actress and she totally carries the movie. And it's because I think she's got the best arc. While Henry Miller might be writing this great book, he pretty much remains fundamentally the same from start to finish. It's Marie de Medeiros that really has a, like a sexual journey and a sexual awakening throughout the course of the film. And it's just a really yeah, it's, eye it's her, story. It's her movie. Yeah, it's her movie. And everyone else is... But as I said, this is, I've watched this twice. This is the only movie I watched twice before we did this podcast because I watched it and then I wanted to watch it again and just to confirm that I could put this as my number one, definitely. I I love the story of it. I love the fact that it's based on a true story. I am a sucker for a movie based on a true story and I just think this entire movie, it's stylistic, it's sexy, the shadows that are cast, um, it doesn't hold back at all. 
regarding you know and again this a little bit of throwdown sex a little bit of rough rough and tumble in this yeah, as well which i am partial to <laughs> fred ward is behind marie de Medeiros and the way he's like putting his fingers in her, in her mouth but it's it shows a lot of male nudity as well but it just, it just shows just like how just how brawny he is and just he's a very it's he's not a he's not a gentle lover but at the same time he's like he's holding back some of his strength but there's a great study in contrast because she's so delicate and he's so powerful but there's it's an yeah. incredible sex scene but it's that brothel scene where Brigitte Lay is going through the motions where a younger girl's pretending to be a reluctant lover and being seduced by a woman and it's just a celluloid Viagra it's just like I mean it's it's and I, and I like how the fact that when they do go into that brothel um, and and I, and in you know her husband Hugo leaves it up to her to pick the two women that they're going to watch. She picks that particular uh, actress because she's very similar to June Miller. Absolutely, yeah. And she has and that, I like that reference that fantasy to, later on where they're kind of flipping back and forth between the two actresses. Yeah. Yeah, so Henry and June, I just think it's a fascinating film. I think it's incredibly well-directed. I think it's a beautiful-looking film. And if you're a prude, you're not going to enjoy it. But, boy, it's sexy. Um, <laughs> it woo <laughs> gets, gets me hot under the collar. This movie does. I just love it. So that is Henry, Henry and June, 1990. If you can get it, go get it because it's great. You want to dance? Is this uh, some kind of game? Yeah. You're itching to know some more about her, aren't you? I'm sharing a revelation with you, damn it. I'm trying to expand your sexual horizons. Oh, I see. And what makes you think they need expanding? He's a verbal exhibitionist. Right. It's his wife I feel sorry for. You can have her, Nigel. You hear me out. Have you ever felt real, overpowering passion? Have you ever truly idolized a woman? Nothing can be obscene in such a love. Everything that occurs between you becomes a sacrament. You mustn't believe all he says. He's a sick man. Yes or no? I love how this episode's yep. turning in. Like, I've done some long episodes in the past about westerns with David Lambert, but this is turning into the wrong real epic about sex <laughs> and sin. So let's talk about arguably one of the most sinful movies on your list, Roman Polanski's mm-hmm. Bitter Moon from 1992. This movie yes. I just adore. I've seen several times, but it is not for the faint of heart. It gets into some really sadistic, cruel behavior, but it is also intensely erotic as well. I don't know if I've ever seen, been more turned on than that scene during New Year's with Kristen Scott Thomas and the, um, how do you pronounce the, na- the name of the, the lead actress? I always fum- fumble yeah, that I- name. I- I- Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel Signor. Signor. Uh, yeah, when they're dancing Mimi, just call them Mimi. <laughs> yeah, when they're kind of pressed up against each other and leaning back and forth and it's just 
unimaginably sexy stuff, but for people out there who perhaps have not gone down to the – everyone thinks of Roman Polanski like late 60s, like the, like the mid-70s, like Chinatown, Rosemary's Baby, that sort of thing. But, man, I think I, I put Bitter Moon up there with Repulsion. I put it up there with any of the Roman Polanski films that you care to mention. This is a, yep. a very special, dark, sinister flick. Yep. And, of course, he directed Frantic as well. Absolutely. Which I mentioned earlier on as well. Yeah, this, this is a, 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 a Franco-British erotic romantic thriller – We've got Hugh Grant as Nigel Dobson playing his foppish self. Kristen Scott Thomas, wonderful actress, as Fiona Dobson. So they play the married couples, Emmanuel Sevignor, who was married to Roman Polanski, and he still is, by the way. Yeah, for decades, Playing Mimi. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and Peter Coyote, who is, again, a very underappreciated actor. I think he is a wonderful actor, and he plays Oscar Benton. Uh, James Woods actually was cast as the role of Oscar, but he dropped out. He would have been and, good as well, but, but, but Peter yep. Cody nails it. Yep, and it's basically it's a British couple on a Mediterranean cruise shipped to Istanbul en route to India, and that's when they meet Oscar Benton and his wife Mimi. Of course, Nigel becomes obsessed with Mimi. She's very sexual and attractive, and that's when Oscar invites Nigel to his cabin because they're in separate cabins and begins to tell him the story of how he first met Mimi when he spotted her on a bus on the Rue de Mille or wherever bloody hell it was in France. Um, but it, 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 this is a – how do I describe it? It is one of those movies when we've got two people – relationships don't often last when they're based on lust. And, no, they burn and out this fast, is a yeah. Per, yeah, they burn out fast because uh, – He's he's an older man. She's a younger woman. But there are only like, so always... many vices and fantasies you can explore when you reach like just like sexual bankruptcy. Yeah, when you when you start getting into playing farmyard animals and you're dressing him up as a pig and you're the farmer, and you can't. Yeah, it's but it's such a great it's this great lesson on when you can you spend up everything in the first month or the first two months. As they said, they locked each. They, when he met her and they started dating. They lock themselves in their room and they're like ordering sex tools from a local sex shop and, and they, they don't see anybody. It's just the two of them. That would drive most people insane. Yeah, and they do so and much. gluttonous. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, let's do it all. What else can we do? You know, and she, there's the scene where they're, they're having breakfast and she's early on in the relationship and she sits there and she just gets the bottle of milk and she drinks it, but it just dribbles down and she's just got this very light, you can see her breasts through the top and, and he finds that arousing. But later on when she does it, he says, you know, can you get a glass? Why do you have to do that? Yeah, they develop that contempt for each other just when they have that withering scorn and disdain. And oh. they both. And he's get- so cruel to her. He's so. It's so hard to watch. He's so cruel to her. But of course, she gets. She gets paid her back revenge ten, tenfold. On- <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and uh, look, I again, yeah, I, I just adore this movie. It's not an easy watch because you're watching someone destroy. And she's so. The other thing is obsession, and that's a very dangerous road to go down as well as to become obsessed. It's one thing to love your partner; it's another thing to put them on a pedestal and you can't live without them. And that's a dangerous place to go down because, uh, as she, you know, she, he he basically kicks her out, and she, and she's just sleeping on his front doorstep and. 
you know, begging. She's like grabbing onto his legs. Please take me back. Please, I, please, I think please. the most pitiful moment is when she's sitting there with that apron that says like, kiss the cook. And he's like, oh my God. Like, it's oh, like you reached rock just, bottom. And what's with the hair? What happened there? That dreadful wig that they put up on her. But I know that they're trying to make her look, not look sexual. And she starts dressing in these dowdy dresses. And she's sitting there with him at the club and he's cracking onto all these other women. And, and it's just, it's humiliating. But, you know, don't let yourself get humiliated. That's the key, yeah. you know. But she's she's young, and that's the thing. That's why she was so accepting of what she was so in awe of him, and so willing to go along and and please him and do whatever he wants to do. And you got that wonderful scene where she invites earlier on. She she's a dancer, and she invites that very sexy black guy over, and they dance together while he's watching. Yeah, he's crippled and impotent, and yeah, has to basically watch this physical specimen make love to his woman in ways that he never will be able to, uh, probably never was able to in the first place. Again, but yeah, but that role reversal, like how she'll leave him alone at night, like in his wheelchair, so he has to like wet himself and wet his diaper. It's they are doing everything in their power to make each other miserable, but they're completely attached to the hip. But what's fascinating is Hugh Grant who is such an innocent, naive, kind of buttoned up, uh, prude in a lot of ways, becomes completely fixated on her. But, of course, she's totally bored by him. And I love how, like, Kristen Scott Thomas, who finally realizes what the hell is going on, she's like, well, anything you can do, I can do better. And yeah. <laughs> she shows him oh, what a proper seduction is, is, is all about. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I, there's basically two stories going on in this movie. You've got the story of their relationship, and then you've got what's happening currently on the cruise ship and you know it's news i think it's a new year's eve party and the, and they the, the the cruise ship hits like and it, everything's flying everywhere and that's when the, when the two of them you know fiona and mimi go back to mimi's room and and we don't see the the lovemaking necessarily but we see the aftermath they f- and they just look so beautiful yeah. together in bed like they're, they're they're totally sexually spent when you pass out completely buck-ass nude you don't even bother to put on the sheets and you're just kind of sort of spooning but you're just exhausted because you've you've got you've exhausted the gas tank doing all sorts of delicious things to each other absolutely so you know what they've done of course again this doesn't end well for a couple of the cast members, but it's it's worth the ride to watch this film because it's if you like a good sexy. This I think this would be number two after Henry and June for me, for just sexy because it's just it's it's something that you know I I have experienced with an ex. It's just too much all at all, all at once. It's it's just it's not sustainable. That sort of thing, and I'm I'm sure that there are couples out there that are like, oh, we've been together for twenty years, and we do that sort of thing all the time, and good on you. But for most people, when that relationship is just a lustful one, uh, and and you cut off all other communication, you're getting into a dangerous. You're area, getting into a moral vacuum, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. No, totally deprived of intimacy. Well, the next yep. movie on our list is a little more innocent, a little more beautiful, and it's all about a lovely young girl falling in love and losing her virginity. But we have Stealing Beauty from 1996 from director Bernardo Bertolucci. Bertolucci. And, and, uh, yeah, apparently it had um, in the... In Australia and New Zealand, it was given a rating M. Real quick, for people who are unfamiliar with the Australian like rating system, here in America, obviously, R means 17 and up. Uh, if you don't have an adult, but you can come in with your parents. What does rating M mean in Australia? Uh, M rating is 15 and over, if I remember correctly. Uh, we previously... I'm so glad that I was a teenager in the 80s. Didn't really have ratings back then. You know, we would just went and saw whatever we wanted to. And even look, even when we went to see Deadpool, 
you know, that was I think Deadpool was an R. Oh yeah, and, hard R, yeah. And there was there were people coming in with their little kids to that game. Oh, go and see a nice superhero <laughs> movie. Of course there's a a pegging scene where Deadpool's getting fucked up the butt by his girlfriend. Sorry, I'm just lighting my cigarette. Um because we you know, that's what you do when you're a sexy person. Um so yeah. As one does. Uh, <laughs> so St- Stealing Beauty is probably an unusual I did think twice about putting this on my list, but I remember seeing it back in nineteen ninety six. And, and it was very relevant for me uh, because it was, you know, Liv Tyler, it was her first movie. She plays a 19-year-old and she was 19 in this movie. And I could really relate to that awakening of never having had sex before. Uh, she's in, her mother has died and she goes to stay with family members in in um, just just the most beautiful region of Tuscany in Italy. Supposedly, this did wonders for tourism in in Italy. Um, no, my whole family uh, went to Italy summer 1999, probably in large part because of this movie. Oh, really? See, there you go, perfect example. So, but the, the, it's it's a sexual awakening, and you've got Jeremy Irons in this as well. He plays Alex Parrish. He's uh, they don't say it in the movie i think but he's actually dying of aids yep. he's a character that's living with his family uh we've got the sinead cusack who plays diana grayson she's actually married to jeremy irons she was married to jeremy irons and she's still married to jeremy irons i've uh, got rachel weiss if you want to see rachel weiss's boobies check this movie out because you see him she's lying around the pool and you see her boobies she plays miranda fox we've got a great soundtrack and again another one with a absolutely solidly great soundtrack uh as you said it was r-rated in america m rating in australia and new zealand and it's just and Liv tyler's beautiful she's well, I think just it's a great beautiful. movie capturing the spirit of freedom that a lot of americans encounter for the first time when they spend a summer or some extended period of time away from america i, I think w- yes. w- once you leave your own country and you're experiencing a, another culture perhaps a culture that's less uh prudish than our own and whether you're talking about France, UK, Germany, Italy, doesn't really matter. But she's having that quintessential American experience where she's – her whole life is unfolding in front of her, both like, you know, in terms of maturity and emotions and particularly in terms of sex. And she's realizing that people are desiring her and so on and so forth. And, of course, she ends up basically living every single girl's dream. If you're going to lose your virginity, losing your virginity to uh, an innocent but attractive fellow version who is also a, like a beautiful Italian boy like you know what's better than that like what's more romantic for a young American girl than that and like absolutely in, um, sea of love if you freeze frame at the appropriate moment Liv, Liv, <laughs> oh, Liv Tyler's <laughs> bits and pieces can be seen in clear detail well she's 19 so she's legal so that's what I did I'm not going to call you a dirty old man so <laughs> That's right. But, but, I, but I, the thing is, I could relate to this as well because around that time, I think I was younger than hers, but around 17, um, and I did, you know, you do desire the, the, the good-looking boys, the, the mysterious boys, the ones that just sort of rock in and rock out, and you're like, where are they? And, oh, I like him, and is he coming back, and all that sort of thing. Whereas the, the other boy that was hanging around and stuff, she never even really considered. And the, 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 there is that... that that cr- it's a crush it's a crush thing you, you get a crush on somebody and 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 she expresses it so beautifully in this movie and i could so i can remember back to how i felt watching this movie and that's why i included it on this list yeah it's like do you want the bad boy or do you want the nice boy and she she dabbles in both but she finally realizes what she really wants is the nice boy yeah absolutely and the and the other thing that she prevails very well i mean she's as i said she's absolutely beautiful in this movie uh and she still is beautiful uh is she's not aware, she was not aware of how beautiful she is and i think 
it's different now because girls are so bloody up themselves and they all think they're wonderful. But I remember at that time as well, not aware of my 17 or 18-year-old self looking the way I did. Now I look back at photos of myself and I'm like, what? What, what was I wasting? What were you kidding? Why, why, well, it's also, why it's a great movie embracing about it? Girls figuring out the way that older people look at them. Like she's having, I think it's either a painting or a photo, but someone's doing a, like a portrait of her and they lean forward and expose one of her breasts. And it's like, whoa. But you could tell she's excited by this new terrain that she's exploring, but this, she's leaving her innocent life behind. Yeah. And I like the friendship also formed with her and the Jeremy Irons character of Alex. Uh, yeah, give him weed before he goes off to the hospital. He's like, there yeah. is my girl. <laughs> it, it could be pervy and it's not. Uh, you'd know that he, of course, if he was well and didn't, he'd, of course, all older men want to, you know, are always going to desire pretty young women. Um, but it, it doesn't go down that creepy line so much. They just become really good friends and he becomes like a father to her, really. And um, it's just a charming movie. And, you know, we'll say it again. Banada Badalucci. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, the next movie is way less innocent, and it's just a good old trashy romp, which I saw in the theater when it came out with a buddy of mine, and we just got shit-faced while watching it. He said this thing where he'd wear a barber coat, and he could get like 12 beers into his barber coat, and of course he would like accidentally kick over the bottles, and they would roll down to the front of the theater. But 1998, you got Nev Campbell, Denise Richards, and this movie was just a scandalous, delightful MTV-era sensation when it came out. And I watched it again for the first time in like 22 years the other day. I'd seen wow. the big scene many times over, but I hadn't watched the movie in its entirety. And I think I like the movie now like more than I did like you know, at age 22 yeah. when I saw it. We've come to the halfway point of our senior seminars. Our guests today come from the Blue Bay Police Department. Why don't we begin with a question? What is a sex crime? Not getting any. Welcome to the town of Blue Bay. Hi, Mr. Lombardo. Hey, girls. So where's your hose, Mr. Lombardo? Where innocence can seduce. He started rubbing my shoulders. Accusations can destroy. I'm innocent. You guys do sex crimes, right? When was this that Sam Lombardo gave you the ride? Did Sam Lombardo rape you? Yeah, okay, he did. He pushed me to the floor. And appearances can deceive. Kelly said that we should do this to hurt Mr. Lombardo. She found out that Mr. Lombardo was in love with her mom, and that was it. You! You know how my mom's paying you off? She's breaking my trust. We bought it, hook, line, and sinker. Now they're getting away with $8 million of Sandra Van Ryan's money. You want my gut? There's more to this story than you know. Woo! After tonight, three of us are not to be seen together again. After tonight? I was curious about how you see things working out for you and Sam and Susie. Excuse me? I mean, it's hard enough for one person to keep a secret, let alone three. Especially when two of them are in love. You don't really think Kelly and Sam are going to share that money with you, do you? Leave me alone. There is no case. Get out of these people's lives. Sam, I'm really nervous. I need you to be there for me tonight. We gotta stick to the plan. There's no one to trust. You can trust me. (laughs) I'd keep a real close eye on my new friends if I were you. She's gonna blow it. Don't touch me. 
Wild things. Two's company. Three's a crowd. Can I play too? Or is it just for boys? Yep. I had to. I. I. This was. This often shows up on the list of when you look up. You know, sexiest movies and all that. There's a lot that are sexy, but that I didn't personally. So I, I really picked personal movies to me. I had to rewatch it again just to to find out because the, the only bit that I really remembered was the pool scene. So I rewatched it, and of course, it's again, it's a, it's a good. Um, I do I do like a good mystery twist. This is this is a real big twist on this one. Um, and and Denise Richards again, wonderful bosoms, just bosoms, <laughs> uh, just gorgeous, just just absolutely gorgeous. But she, but she plays a very sort of naughty, wicked girl. This is all filmed around Miami. Uh, it had three sequels. That's how yeah, popular Florida is. Just movie a state was. for vice. It's got a like <laughs> the drugs in Florida are they run they consume more oxycodone in that state than the rest of the country combined. It's just a, a place where people go to spend money. Not cocaine. Uh, well, uh, cool. Cocaine, obviously, a big part. But the big thing now is just all the uh, the, the opioid epidemic is like Florida's front and center on, on all that. But if you want to indulge in depraved, vice-like behavior, Florida is the state for it. And this, this movie perfectly captures that world. <laughs> but what I noticed watching it now, I don't know where the exact pivot was, but at a certain point, girls went from being super skinny to wanting to have like quads and calf muscles. And suddenly, like with this era just like all like the cheerleader outfits and that sort of thing. You just notice that the girls start looking like almost like fitness models as opposed to like just skinny young girls. But I, I totally approve of the uh, kind of the fitness obsession. But obviously Denise Richards is a very like phys- like well-sculpted, just very athletic-looking actress. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's just a beautiful girl. Uh, and she, she plays this role very well. She played a similar role in Starship Troopers, I think. It could have been a sequel, really. Um and apart from the fact so that she I'm going to be this. a pilot, like she says, it like I want to, like you know, fuck Tom Cruise, like <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And again with this one, get the unrated version. Don't don't get yeah, the, rated the pool version. scene's get missing the un- from the theatrical cut. When I first yeah. saw it, the uh, the the, uh, the pool scene was totally missing. But uh, Nev Campbell talked very publicly about how she and Denise Richards just got wasted. She said um, it was fun. We just sort of went in and did it. Actually, we mixed margaritas and brought a bottle of wine in my trailer and got drunk first. And it says, okay, I'm gonna make out with the girl for the first time in my life. It's so interesting that a lot of times you learn things about yourself and have new experiences when shooting a scene because they're things you wouldn't normally do in your life. And so yeah, they just they just got down there and did it. It was four in the morning and they're half naked in the pool making out and they just they had they had they had a it was a hoot and a half <laughs> well they got and then and you got the threesome scene as well with um uh matt Dillon yeah as mr lombardo as well uh it, we've got Teresa russell in it now that's in this is another movie that i really love but i'm really tempted to put on my list was a movie called black widow oh Winger. Seen it, Teresa, Teresa russell Russell's black... one of my all-time favorite yeah. like erotic actresses like she was like in whore and like bad timing but she's in a bunch yeah. of things but she's not that much older than uh denise richards but she's playing the mother but Teresa Teresa russell total Flor- floridian milf in this movie oh yeah oh yeah and she plays it really well uh we've got robert wagner and we've got bill murray in this as well, which a lot of people... I'd completely forgotten Bill Murray was in this. He's, He's really great good in it, too. It. 
Yeah, he adds, he adds to the comedy. Yeah, but in spite of having a very specific uh, bit in his claws preventing this, you get to see Kevin Bacon's shriveled up, shrunken, flaccid member, and he just they just <laughs> left it in there. And I remember watching the movie when he just like steps out of the shower. I was like, dude, like, well, put on a towel. But like, it just it doesn't even make any sense why it's in there. But they just had his uh, his shriveled member on prominent display, and yeah. So now we all know what uh, what kind of what kind of heat he is packing. I think I don't think Kevin's too shy about. I'm trying to think if the other I think he's shown it a couple of times but uh, the, the only thing that sort of baffled me is obviously you know there's twist 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 and, and James and I don't really want to spoil it necessarily if you haven't seen it I'm sure you have uh, <laughs> um, but obviously the, the the character of Matt Dillon as Mr Lombardo is, is very straight but he's Kevin Bacon because he shows up in the shower as you just mentioned and you're thinking you know and, and, and another lesson as well if, if you're doing you know a illegal things and someone says do you want to go out in a boat don't do it yeah exactly you should have learned from the godfather part two don't do it do you want to go on the boat no no don't go out in a boat um but yeah it's a good twisty fun film as i said there was three sequels so it did it did incredibly well uh, it's just a great 90s time capsule as well. Like I was watching this movie and you got Nev and Denise in a pool calling each other like retarded, calling each other cunt. Slapping each other. smack the shit out of each other. I was yeah. Like, All right, those words are no longer allowed in Hollywood and you wouldn't have these girls smacking the hell of each other before they start making out as Kevin Bacon watches through like his binoculars. It's just, it's such sleazy fun and great little dirty details like when Matt Dillon is hooking up with uh, Denise Richards before he starts. He's pulling her panties down and like over her feet very gently and just kind of casually puts it in his pocket. It's like, whoa, that's kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of dirty, but you're just taking and his even, panties And even out. the car washing scene with Denise and her friend, you oh, know, she, she plays that sort of seductress thing. Home oh, and, yeah. You know, it's, it, yeah. It's, yeah. Denise the piece, she is, uh, she's just got sex written all over her. And yeah, this, it, it made her, for a brief shining moment, a Hollywood sexual icon. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the great thing is, look, you say, and I agree with you, that they're not necessarily making these movies anymore, but the great thing is we can go back and watch these ones. So that's, that's why we're doing this podcast. We're telling you, watch these movies. I have seen one or two things in my life, but never, never anything like this. talk about one of the big sex movies that probably one of the most high profile movies ever to come out of Hollywood where maybe it perhaps over promised or promised a different kind of movie than we were going to get but Stanley Kubrick his final film mm-hmm. Eyes Wide Shut yep. Eyes Wide 1999 shut. Yep. where yep. it's the longest shoot in movie history it took 400 mm-hmm. days in spite of the fact that it's got a screenplay that probably could have been shot in 28 days, and Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman had to basically take like a three-year hiatus from doing any other movies in order to make this film. And it's a weird thing where I find this movie fascinating, and I'm always coming back to it. I'm always watching it. 
but I don't know if I've ever actually been like turned on by it. It's got so much nudity and it's got like I think the scenes that turn me on the most are very brief and subtle. Like when Nicole Kidman, like the fantasy scene of her, the sailor taking her panties off, that gets to me. Or when the models are trying Sign. to take Tom Cruise out of the party, that gets yep. to me. But the big orgy scene, strangely, I have nothing happens for me below the waist. Yeah, it, look, I'm exactly the same. It's it's. The, I think I picked it because of the sexual tension of it for them as a couple. Um, I find it a fascinating movie. Uh, again, get the uncut version. Don't bother with the cut version where the people are standing in front of the people having sex, where they've mapped them in. Get the uncut version if you want to see the nitty-gritty stuff. Uh, you know, uh, but it's. I think this movie was such an enigma, as in, as you said, how long it took. We know that Stanley Kubrick's one of those type of people that makes someone do a scene 139 times. You know, poor Shelley Duvall was a wreck. I think, because of filming The Shining. Um, yeah, he wants to strip but, away the acting. He hires really good actors and then makes them so exhausted that they can't act anymore, and that's what, he's, that's what he wants. He basically wants performances like in 2001 where you're like almost like an automaton. Yeah, pain in the ass if you ask me. Um, I'd, I'd be out. I'd be like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. Well, apparently, Sidney Pollack, his first scene, they banged it out like in a day. He's like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Like, well, where's this reputation of Stanley Kubrick doing all these extra takes? And then <laughs> it came time to do the, uh, the pool table scene, and they mm. shot it for like six months. and It, <laughs> it just went mm. on and on and on. Crazy. It's crazy. But it's, it's a weird cra- thing. Like- there's, there's so much sex in this movie that's not designed to provoke arouse. Like a, a turn on or an arousal. Like you've got yeah. like uh, the hooker that he nearly gets it on with who turns out she's almost got like almost potentially could have given him HIV. Or you've got Lily Sobieski who's being pimped up by it, her father to these yep. d- dirty old Asian dudes. And it's like – but. I don't think Stanley Kubrick was particularly interested in sex, or if he was, it was like it, it kind of peaked around like Lolita. But at this point, he's a, like a 68, 70, 70, like nearly 70-year-old man, and I just don't think he was – he wasn't going for titillation in any way, shape, or form. I, I agree. I, I actually think he – this is why I put it on my list because I think it's, a, it's an interesting discussion. I actually think he made this movie to desexualize sex, sex in a way. Uh, again, most of the scenes in this movie aren't sexy. The only, I totally agree with you, is the flashbacks to the fantasy of Nicole Kidman's character of Alice having sex with uh, the the uh, naval guy that she'd fantasised about when they were in Cape Cod or wherever they were. And it's uh, heartbreakingly and, brief. It's like two seconds, and uh, I will admit that when uh, I first got my subscription to MrSkin.com back in 2001 or two, I may have indulged in a little self-gratification to that particular <laughs> bit. Well, you know, I, I, I would think that you'd particularly enjoy, have you seen the Australian movie Dead Calm? I fucking love Dead Calm. Yeah I, yeah, I saw that as a kid many, many times over and over and over again. Ooh, and yeah. when her shorts get ripped off while she's on top of them, yeah, boner alert. But yeah, that, that's a very hot movie. Absolutely. And and even to die for when she does that dance for Yaku oh, and Phoenix. Oh, in front of the headlights character. and she keeps flipping yeah. up her skirt and showing her panties. Yeah, those yeah. little summer dresses. Oh, Oof, Jesus fucking You've got Christ. a nice body. Ooh, yeah. wee. <laughs> I might be a straight male. I'm not too sure. (laughs) (laughs) Nicole Kidman makes straight males out of everybody. As you said, we can find, I, you know, I look at it when I'm out, 
I look at as many attractive women as I do attractive men. There's not too many of them around, but, you know, they're like spotting the Loch Ness Monster these days. But, uh, you know, I will look and I'll even point them out to my partner. I'll go, she's a good sort or she's got a nice ass or da da da, you know what I mean? And I say that to friends and they're like, why would you do that? And I said, well, what, is he just going to suddenly leave me and run off with them? What's it matter? He loves me. I've got the confidence in that, so I'll point out a good-looking girl. It doesn't matter. Um, is, not to get too personal into your into your uh, in the inner workings of your marriage, but is there a movie that nah, you're go for watching together that is uh, you know a fun little bit of uh, foreplay for y'all? Well, early on in the relationship, we did watch a lot of porn together. Uh, so that was pretty much the first sort of year, two years, and that's when we started. We started watching porn, and that's when we got the idea. I'll oh, go to a swingers club. Let's see what that that is like. Um, we we did a little bit of the you know bit of uh, bit of moon thing. <laughs> we we sort of went a bit hardcore, and, the, and and then further into our relationship, we we ter- sort of turned into an Woof. old that, married couple. That, that, that and then, quickly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's been sort of like a, a roller coaster. But we, we 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 both suit each other. We don't do anything that neither you know. If he's horny and I'm not, we don't have sex. And and if I'm horny and he's not, we don't have sex because it's it, it, someone's doing something they don't want to do. Yeah. So and I think that's a very important thing as well. But it, I mean, it's unfortunate if you're married to someone and they don't want sex at all. That's a real yeah. When you hear about couples that haven't had sex in years, and it's like, ooh, yeah. I hope you really love the kids, like raising them together. And like you know, every every marriage is different, every relationship's different. But yeah, yeah there are loveless marriages out, out there. And speaking of uh, loveless marriages or complications. Perfect segue into our final film on our list, Unfaithful from yes. 2002, starring one of my all-time lifelong crushes, Diane oh, yeah. Lane, and there's some juicy bits in here, but Adrian Lin, is this his final feature film that he's directed? I th- yeah, I think so, because so Fatal Attraction, Nine and a Half Weeks, Flashdance, Indecent Proposal, uh, Jacob's Ladder, love Jacob's Ladder. I, yeah, I, th- I think so, but I, I love him as a director. Uh, we've got Richard Gere as Edward Sumner. We've got Diane Lane as his wife, Constance or Connie Sumner, and the very sexy Olivia Martinez as Paul Martel. I can understand why he hooked up with Halle Berry. What a couple that was. Goodness me. Uh, it's based on uh, The Unfaithful Wife by Claude Chabrol, and it's basically a, a remake of that film, a French film, and uh, supposedly to prepare for the initial love scene between Paul and Connie, director Adrian Lin actually had Diane Lane watch the German film Amy and Jaguar. Oh, very 19... cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking here on IMDb. Adrian Lin is in post-production on a movie called Deep Water. It's his first feature in 18 years, but it's based on a Whoa. Patricia Highsmith novel. Good. I'd, yeah. I'd, good on him. I'd, yeah, and uh, a return to nice form. To it's a, a well-to-do yeah. husband who allows his wife to have affairs in order to avoid divorce becomes a prime suspect in the disappearance of her lover. So, ooh, that's a bit like this one. Yeah, yeah. So this this is um, yeah this is this is very very sexy. I mean, Richard Gere is great in it. Uh, Richard Gere again is another solidly good actor. I think. I think. I've heard a lot of people call him wooden. I don't think he's wooden at all. I think he was wonderful in an officer and a gentleman. And he I played a he's... major role. Just to make sure we've got something out there for other people who are less uh, heterosexual. He played a major role in the sexual development of a lot of young gay men in the '70s and early '80s. Like mm. Brady's, author Brady Ellis, I listen to his podcast every time he has an episode. But for him, movies like Days of Heaven and American Gigolo, he was just like, oh, my Lord. And so, yeah, if you were a, <laughs> you know, a, a gay boy in the late 70s, early 80s, Richard Gere was, your, was your, probably your go-to, either him or John Travolta. Yeah, that's it. Well, John Travolta. Um, <laughs> it's interesting, though, because I, I, a lot of the gay friends I know really fancy him. But then again, my mum, she's like, I just 
can't see it. She's like, I don't get the Richard Gere thing. And I'm like, I'm, I'm a bit sort of over both both ways. There's roles that he plays that he's very... I like him when he's being bad. Internal Affairs, that's a good film. And he's evil to the core in that movie. He's such a bad cop. And and uh, and, and Eddie, uh, Andy Garcia, big fan of his acting as well. That's a great film. But he does play... And I like as well... Adrian Lin insists that Hollywood was saying, oh, you've got to make the husband a bastard to justify her character having an affair. But that's not real life. Yeah, this is like, the seven-year itch. It's just a seven-year yeah. itch for a woman. Yep. Yeah. She, I mean, she's got the, the, the kid from Malcolm in the Middle and she, they show straight out of the gate they have a very loving relationship. There's no issues there. They love each other. He works. She stays at home. Uh, she goes and does charitable things and goes into the city. It's a very sexy scene when she goes into the city that one day and it's just its so windy. It's like crazy windy. And that's when she bumps into the uh, Olivia Martinez character and she doesn't go with him at first and actually she sees him one or two times until she starts to realise how attracted she is to him and she needs that excitement. And this is going to be a controversial thing to say, James. Sometimes, even if you're in a really solidly good relationship... A nice little affair on the side is not such a bad thing. That's all I'll say. But this all goes wrong as well. This all goes pear-shaped. But I do like as well how even though what happens happens, they've both committed now. He's committed something much worse, the Richard yeah, Gere character. Yeah, but I guess prior to what he does, I mean, I've never been married, but I imagine that for a lot of people, if you can – there are probably a lot of people out there who probably been on the other side of an infidelity and really been hurt, but – if somebody can get it out of their system and it, uh, in a weird way perhaps can help them return as opposed to leaving for good. I, I don't know. It's a yep. very complicated thing. And it's maybe no, it's a, true. a slightly more European point of view. Uh, I know a lot of people just like don't ask, don't tell. But for some people, they like a little flirting on the side just to help fuel the, pas- the passion and so on and so forth. But Absolutely. What, but what yep. can't be denied is that there's some scenes in here that are just – just dripping with juice like they are just so oh. intense like when she's having like you know a little sit down with her friends and <laughs> her fellow bustin drags her to the back for a quickie in the bathroom while her friends are talking about like how nice her ass still looks and everything but my and how favorite great scene she by still f- looks yeah but my favorite scene by far is one that starts out kind of in a sketchy territory she's trying to leave him she's over it and as he's trying to get it on with her one last time, she's pushing him away, but she's pushing him away with her pelvis and she's arching her back. And it's like the sexiest thing I've ever seen. Diane Lane just shoving him away with her crotch. And then finally, you don't even see any nudity. The panties come down. They're getting it on the hallway from, from behind. And he's like making her say, like, no, I want you to fuck me. And she just, she, she succumbs. But it is one of the most intense, intensely sexual moments of the movie. No. No, I can't. Oh. It's over.
Oh, it's it's highly sexual. Every time that she's with, I completely forgot. Isn't that dreadful? I completely forgotten his bloody name. Oliver Martinez, Paul, Paul Martell. Every time she's she's with him, the sex scenes are very. And I always appreciate a movie like in uh, the history. Yeah, it was the history of violence as well with uh, Maria, Maria Bella. Maria Bella, who's so and, goddamn hot. Oh, uh, she's again sexy, 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 and and Vigo, and and they're a married couple and. They don't show it in a lot of movies. They did with Basic Instinct, I'm pretty sure. Uh, the man going down on the woman. Yeah. Um, that that seems to be something that the people scene where she are afraid of the doing. Cheerleader because uh, they never yeah. had to have those high school experiences together. But yeah, people are terrified of the of like the female orgasm and or like I, I remember seeing this documentary. Uh, this film is not yet rated, and they're talking about how there's a film. I think it's The Cooler with Maria Bello, where a close mm-hmm. up of her face while she's having an orgasm from I think William H Macy going down on her earned it an NC-17 rating just because of like the suggestion that she was enjoying oral sex. Like It's incredible that that's considered so It's crazy. So, so it's crazy. And the other thing with movies is, is they've got to be fucking and everyone comes at the same time. That's not realistic, people. <laughs> yeah. So don't, don't think that that's a realistic thing. It's bloody not. I'm telling you right now, it's not. Um, and there's a lot of women, here's a little bit of a sex education, that can't orgasm from... The penis being in the vagina, it's got to be a clitoral stimulation Absolutely. for them or, to or, orgasm. Or you get the best of both worlds. You do both at the same time. Exactly. That's exactly right. But I always, as a woman, I always appreciate a scene or a movie that has a scene of a man going down and pleasing a woman. And and I think, again, I don't know what the big deal is about it. It's it's part of, of you know, what's the difference between fucking and that? I, I don't, well, I don't at, know, at a but. young age since I've had enough to drink I'll, I'll confess this but at a young age I really got into it just because I was so bad at sex I knew I was never going to get a girl to cut climax unless I invested a lot of time on the front end with the little oral so it was like it was my insurance policy so that when I prematurely ejaculated that I wouldn't be completely humiliated <laughs> We sure we're not in the confessional at the moment, but, but look, I, I completely three, three agree. This podcast this, about fucking. Yeah, this this there's, there's two ways to judge for us women: kissing. If you're a bad kisser, you're probably a bad fuck. And second of all, if the guy goes down first, he goes downtown first. You, you know you've got a straighty. That's it. You, you haven't you haven't got someone that's not still too sure about this. You, you know, if a, if a guy really enjoys going the growl, as we call it here in Australia, nice. That's then, a great bit of yeah. great bit of going the growl. I love going it. the growl. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 I, I'm definitely so, gonna keep, but I'm yeah, definitely this... keep that in my back pocket. <laughs> well, be a beautiful Diane Lane. She was actually married to Christopher Lambert. Uh, then and then, of course, she went on to marry Josh Brolin, so she was actually Barbara Streisand's daughter-in-law. Wow, <laughs> weird man, weird. Um, and 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 I love when he says to her when they first have sex, he's like, "Hit me." Oh, of course, he's, they made him French. Originally, he was Ameri- meant to be American, uh, and they went, "No, no, go 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 down the French French path," which was a great decision. And 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 she's like still in doubt. She's like, "I shouldn't be doing this and all that." And he's like, "Hit me, hit me." And she like slaps him on the face, and that's what gets again a bit of rough and tumble, a bit but of that. I remember rough at the time sex. of its release, everybody was making such a big deal about the fact that this is a movie about an older woman really getting it on, and she was thirty-seven when she made this. And I feel like yeah. for for the young bucks out there who might not know this, as girls get older and they know what they like, they have a different thing going on when it comes to sex. And I feel like that's kind of maybe the undiscovered country showing how girls in like their thirties, forties, and fifties can get much more. 
I guess, intense and they know what they like. And it's just a, it's just a completely different sexual experience. And just because the girls, like there are a lot of like hot 21 year old girls who just lie there like a starfish cause they don't know any better. But like, it's the older girls who've got like, you know, perhaps a little bit more going on underneath the hood. But I just think it's funny that this movie is like sold as this erotic movie about this older woman exploring uh, her, her kind of, you know, yeah, sexually. She, she wasn't, she, she wasn't that much older than, than Olivia. Yeah, I think Martinez. she's like three years older than him. <laughs> they act yeah, like she's yeah, like, yeah. His, like his grandmother. She's she's thirty seven and she looks she's a total smoke show. So oh my case, god, she's just go- she's gorgeous in this. And you're abs- what you're just saying is absolutely right. And it's easy for me to say because I'm an older woman. Uh, for me to go, oh, yeah, really good now. It wasn't so good back then. But it's true. I was it was you know when I lost I lost my virginity at seventeen and a half in Hawaii in a bathtub with a Jewish businessman from <laughs> New York. <laughs> It's very specific. So there you I go. Like very specific, and I'll never forget it. Uh, and then I thought, this is fun. Um, so, <laughs> but I was mainly, you know, in the younger years, and I know there's a lot of girls now. I've been told by a, a male friend of mine that he sleeps with a lot of models, and he says, once you get them in bed, they just sort of behave like, boy, you're lucky to be fucking me. And they don't make any effort. They don't do anything. They just kind of just go, well, you know, you, sh- you should be thanking your lucky stars that you're in the sack with me. And I know that I was very fumbly in my younger years, but certainly as you get older, you really know what you want and you don't want to waste any time. And, you know, you, you, you take it. And, and I've never had any quibs about, you know, if I'm sleeping with somebody and they're doing something I don't like, just, to just stop it and just yeah. go, Give them a shoulder I don't like that. Yeah, let them know. Yeah, don't like that. Or if they're doing something really good, I'm like, yeah, keep on doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, take... take Involuntary take, muscle spasms in the thighs are always a, a great <laughs> indicator. But as we start drawing <laughs> to a close, can you share with us any really saucy, dirty, filthy Aussie slang that Americans might not have heard when it comes to doing the dirty deed? Like anything about genitalia or physical acts or whatever the case might be because I feel like oh yeah Aussie slang can always be it's so much so much more colorful than American oh god uh let me have a think so uh bosoms uh, I suppose people call them tartars or melons um of course you know the the, the funny thing about uh, g-string is that oh no is it no a thong a thong so thongs in America are a g-string I think and here they're actually footwear so that's that's a weird kind of thing so whenever we used to hear Thongs in America, we're just like, what, the, the plastic things you put on your feet. Um, yeah, going the growl's a, a good one. I, look, I would have researched this, actually, because I haven't... What about haven't... any nicknames for a guy's Rod or his Johnson or anything like that? Because I, I guess the only Aussie slang I know is, like, for a while, I don't know if it's still used or not, but because um, I watch the YouTube channel Aussie Man Reviews, but he refers to girls as Sheilas, and I know some girls don't like being called yeah. a Sheila, but it's kind of like the, the, I guess, the general term for girls who are hitting the bars and on the prowl. Oh, Sheila is just basically a name for a woman gotcha. here in Australia. Uh, I, I don't find any of that offensive. I think it's funny. Uh, I think you've got to have a laugh. Uh, you know, everyone's offended so easily these days. It's just like... Particularly just by this podcast. <laughs> Wouldn't it be weird if people were listening and jerking off to this? That'd be really weird. I, my hope is that somebody somewhere sees a movie for the first time and has a thunderous orgasm and they will send us a, a DM thanking us. Oh, I hope so. I hope so, because this has been an absolute hoot. We'll have to think of another naughty topic to do. Oh, I did, I did do my best boobs. Hang on a sec. Hang on. I wrote this down. All right. So I did my best 80s movie boobs, so I think we can slip this in. Beautiful. <laughs> no pun intended or, or pun very much intended. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I'm, best I'm only going to put the head of it in. <laughs> 
That's what they all say. Uh, Susan Sarandon in The Hunger in Bull Durham, Uma Thurman in Dangerous Liaisons, Greta Skarki in White Mischief, Jamie Lee Curtis in Trading Places, Sherilyn Fenn in Two Moon Junction and The Wraith, Betsy Russell, there you go, private school, riding on the horse, Elvira, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and Angry sent his in, Monique Gabrielle in Bachelor Party. Ooh, Monique Gabrielle is one of my all-time favorite softcore porn stars. I, there I you adore go. Monique Gabrielle. So, yeah, he and I see eyeball to eyeball. Well, I hope there's a 15-year-old <laughs> film freak out there who's writing fast, quickly scribbling down that list and enjoying a nice wank this evening going, going, through, that, going through that list. Well, where can people find you online if they want to do the deep dive on all these topics or just thank you for such a delightful, entertaining show and so on and so forth? Oh, goodness. Well, thank you. Thank you. This this has been absolutely fun. I had so much fun putting the list together. I had so much fun re-watching all these movies. Th- three and a half days it took me to, to re-watch all it's these movies. It's going to take movies. me three and a half days to edit this thing. It's going to be a three and a half hour show. <laughs> well, we did take, to, to be fair, everybody, we did take a lot of breaks during the recording of this because we both had to go to the, the loop for, for loo reasons um, and, and, and do various things. So we did take a lot of breaks. But uh, you, you can find me. It's a family friend. Our podcast, the Retro Cinema Podcast, is a family friendly uh, podcast. But it's all about 80s movies we loved back then and we still love now. We've covered, as we've been doing it for four years, so oh, we must be close to 250, 260 80s movies. If you can't find an 80s movie on our website, uh, we've got a problem. So we're doing Stand By Me next week, we did Dangerous Liaisons last week, we do Top Tens as well. Um, so come and, che- come and check us out. It's only an hour. So if you've, you want to listen to a podcast and you've only got an hour from like where you live to, to work, we're a good one to listen to and you can listen to us with the kids in the car as well even though we do have the booby alert. So you can find us on every platform. Just type into Google the Retro Cinema Podcast. There you Beautiful. go. And if you're looking for me as well, it's Gidget, G-I-D-G-I-T, not E-T. So if you're looking for Gidget von LaRue, it's G-I-D. Uh, yeah, that how I spelt it then. <laughs> Well, I think for our We've both next, been drinking, our by the way. Recording, we got to dive into a YouTube live stream, but we'll find a, a more manageable topic in size so that we can keep it down to like a 45-minute hour mark. But I would love to get you on our YouTube live stream. And thank you so much for popping onto the live stream I had with Adam the other day. It was great to, great to see you on there. But thanks again for pitching this topic easily top two top three topics ever pitched to to the to the podcast and i think it's the perfect podcast to let it kind of sit there and marinate at the at the top of the feed for a couple of weeks while i go up and make this movie because it's bill tech tony stella moose mats and a bunch of regulars on wrong reel we're all making this little short film and it's going to be a ton of fun but i will have to take a little podcasting break just to make sure i can focus on that short but we hope you all have enjoyed this episode Hunt us down on all the usual places. Leave us a review in all the usual places. Hunt me down on social media and hunt me down on my YouTube channel, Geeking with James Hancock. But thanks again for listening. Thanks for Gidget Von LaRue for pitching this amazing topic. We just had so much damn fun. But more importantly, as always, onwards (laughs) and upwards. No pun intended. Boo-ba-doo-ba-doo-ba-doo. Ain't like it used to be, but uh, it'll do. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow.